It's the season two finale of another Zelda podcast, and David and Kate talk about one of the most beloved entries in the entire series, A Link to the Past. Hello and welcome to another Zelda podcast. I am David Geisler, your co-host here with my co-host, Kate May. Kate, how are you? I am the other co-host, co-host. Oh, I just love co-hosting. And I'm good. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm quite well. I'm well. Thank you. I am very excited to be here. Woo! Um, we're recording on a classic... Was it Saturday morning right now? <laughs> yes, it is. I know. It's hard to remember what day it is for me, too. I think we used... To, season one, we'd no- normally do Saturday. I think... Yep. Saturday mornings. So this is just like the olden days. Classic Saturday morning. Yeah, I mentioned that in our last recording session, but um, this is great. Here we are in your house Yep. with the season finale. I've got a ton of listener feedback, um, but congratulations on two seasons, Kate. Yeah, same to you. It's I'm, weird. Ooh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Can we you believe like, we've been doing this for almost two years? I know. It's crazy. We have 50 episodes, right? Or 50 I guess some. 26 for season one, mm-hmm. and we planned 24 <clears throat> for season two, but we accidentally got 25. Yeah, so um, the way, the numbers work out better if we do 24 a season. Yeah. Um, and so I think we'll do 24 next season. We'll figure it out as we go. Two a month. Yeah, basically. Um, but here we are. We're going to be talking about this. Is what do you recall? Um, about this time last year, we thought <laughs> that our first episode of season two might be our quote unquote review episode of A Link to the Past. Yep. And then we had to push it back because we were having some difficulties getting through the game. Well, both of us. I guess you could say dipped into a link to the past, mm-hmm. link to the past uh, during our mid or off season break mm-hmm. last year, and um, oh, Milo's joining in. It's been a while. I'm feeling so sentimental today. Yeah, good old Milo meowing his way through the show. Indeed, indeed. Um, and then we just for, I don't know. I think both of us were having a hard time with it. Actually, having a yes. hard time playing the game. Uh-huh. And I have a lot to say about this game today. I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, a lot of positive emotions. A lot of not a lot of negative emotions. A few things that were were difficult and a little sure. frustrating. But ultimately, I'll 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 jump to the lead here. Ultimately, I'm really really glad that we played this game. I'm glad that I tried it again, and I'm glad that I played it on the Switch this time rather than the Wii. Oh, uh-huh. does the Switch have? suspension like the Wii does like when you do you know how with the Wii you can just suspend so you can kind of save wherever basically by yeah yep so you can save whenever you want and there's also rewind mode which oh my oh get into well we're gonna get into our listener feedback here in a second but um I played it on my SNES SNES classic my mini Mm. so I played it with the CRT scan lines on Mm -hmm. I uh did not have Auto suspend. I mean, I technically did, but I never played it that way. I always played it as if I was playing original cartridge, mm-hmm. wherein I would push select and save mm-hmm. and quit. That's mm-hmm. the only time I would save. I never saved a suspend point in my mini, as you may know you can. Mm-hmm. And I definitely did not have rewind. <laughs> we'll get into it. Uh-huh. We'll get into it. I'm also, I want to say I'm wearing a, a theme appropriate shirt today. Indeed you are. My Link to the Past shirt. Uh, one of our Magical Sword tier patrons, Naya, 
um, Naya Kang, I think is his full name, but Naya um, clued me in as to where to find this shirt. So awesome. I went and picked it up and I thought I, it was appropriate to wear for our episode. Absolutely. You, you always wear some kind of form of Zelda gear, I think. Usually, usually socks. I secretly am always wearing Zelda socks when we record <laughs> any of these episodes. Fun fact for the listeners. I've gotten a little weird. I like hunt them down now. I've gone to... <laughs> random Best Buys, random Targets, random even Kmarts here in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, every time I see another pair, I grab them. I'm up to about eight or nine pairs of Zelda socks. Nice. Some are a little classier than others. Some are a little more cartoonish. (laughs) Some like I feel like I could legit wear like to an office. Mm -hmm. You know, some are really classy and then some are crazy. Anyway, um, so that is a lot of fun. Oh, Kate, before we also get into our listener feedback, I wanted to lend you some of my amiibos while we're on break for you to play around with them in oh. Breath of the Wild. Oh. Another one of our magical sword tiers, Dan McCoy, um, he I le- oh, he was actually in one of our episodes, actually. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the I have some listener feedback from that episode, the questions from a new Zelda fan. Mm-hmm. After we recorded that episode, I lent him my, my Wolf Link and my Rider Link amiibos. Mm-hmm. And then just the other day, I asked for them back so that I could lend them to you just so you could play around with them a little bit. I've never used an amiibo ever. Right, I know. And I know that I, I know that Breath of the Wild, we're waiting for Breath of the Wild 2. I know you still have some DLC and stuff in Breath of the Wild, but I thought maybe mm-hmm. we can mix it up. And this is the Rider Link amiibo that I'm right. handing to you. And I'll give them to you in this little bag. This is exactly the bag that I gave to Dan. Um, so Rider Link amiibo, if you scan it enough, it'll give you some new like horse gear. Cool. Just for the fun of it. It's just aesthetic, but it's cool. It's actually the horse gear that's represented on that amiibo there. Okay. But the more fun one here is I really, really want to lend you my uh, Wolf Link and Midna amiibo because not only is it kind of a cool one, but that allows you to put Wolf Link in as a, an NPC side character with you cool. once a day. That's awesome. So anytime you play, if you just want to run around and goof around. Um, so I actually relied on the Wolf Link amiibo a lot when I was playing Master Mode because in the early parts of the game, I didn't really have any weapons. So I'd run around and let him, uh, he will at- auto attack bad Ooh. guys around you. He has three lives, three hearts of life. And <clears throat> if you if he does get hurt and you feed him meat, you can restore his life. <laughs> okay. And so he'll run around with you and it's a ton of fun. Cool. I don't even know how to use these, so you'll oh, have really? to explain I'll it to me. I'll show you. You bring up, yeah, you bring up an, on your left digital, you bring up an amiibo setting, and then mm-hmm. you just push them onto your Switch controller, oh. and then they teleport right into the game. Oh. And then, I couldn't I couldn't help myself, I bought you one. What? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I bought you the 8-bit Link amiibo. Stop. I know I couldn't I couldn't help myself. Uh we I, I we that's a kind of a new addition that got released. I knew you'd get a kick out of it. And if you scan this one enough times, it gives you original Legend of Zelda clothing in Breath of the Wild oh. and the original sword oh. from the from the original The Legend of Zelda. Thank you. And it's a lot of fun that sword there that I'm pointing at right now even though I know our listeners can't see this. It's the it's the sword of our like we have sword, white sword, mm-hmm. magical sword. It's the white sword. It's oh. our mid tier. And it's a lot of fun. I actually have this amiibo as well, full disclosure, and I've scanned it enough times that I've imported the the clothing, Mm -hmm. and I can't help myself. I almost always at least do the cap. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's called the cap of the hero because it's Link's retro hair. He gets his retro, like, blonde Uh, puff in the front. Yeah, his emo hair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so fun. So I hope you have some fun with that. 
just as a, so cool looking. Just as a tight little, just like a tiny little thank you for doing the show with me and everything. Because I know you take time out of your life and everything, but it's oh, not geez. a big deal. I hope you have fun with these. Cool. I don't have something for you. I, feel I so never expected bad. this no, no, no. happened last time, dude. It's not. That's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's not a pattern. I just couldn't. I was just gonna lend these to you, and Aww. then I was like, I can't help it. I got. I got to get Aww. an eight bit Zelda or the eight bit Link. Let's do listener <laughs> don't, feedback. Don't call eight it eight bit Zelda. Man, if they made an eight bit Zelda, wouldn't that be fun? I don't even know if they. Could. Yeah, there's a sprite. There's a Zelda sprite in that game. I don't know if they have it. For, I don't know if they have a side profile of her because if you look at this one real quick, yeah, yeah. it's pixel accurate. Yeah, it's so know? cool. Anyways, I just like looking at it. I don't even care that. I mean, it does something, which also, is a bonus. But I also kind of knew you'd probably never buy an amiibo, so I wanted you to at least have one in your collection. No, because I don't know what they are. Oh, and then for the fun <laughs> of it, like in your Mario Kart and stuff, if you scan him, um, it'll download a little, you know, link clothing and stuff like that and you can have some fun with it cool let's do listener feedback okay before we dive into a link to the past so much to say about a link to the past i'm so happy we played it um i have i want to be honest we this is our season finale we usually let ourselves go long on these finales Mm -hmm. and so i'm gonna let myself go through quite a bit of listener feedback here i might even have about 15 to 20 (laughs) listener feedbacks but i love them because there's it's always a conversation to be had it's not Mm -hmm. just you know any it's not just ticking through. Uh, first of all, real quick, over, Low Rule Legend over on YouTube um, commented on our questions from a new Zelda fan episode. And he said, another terrific episode as always. <laughs> Dan is terrific. The sugar line regarding the great fairies was hilarious. Um, I don't know if you remember this moment or not. And we did talk about the great fairies in our most recent episode, mm-hmm. Ladies of the Legend. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan said that he gets a kick out of the big fairies in Breath of the Wild. And I'm kind of just paraphrasing. But he said that every time they pop out, he just imagines them being like, hey, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And so that's what they were talking about there. Fantastic. Oh, ooh, this is a big one. Wait, who is this? Oh, no. Do I not have a name for this one? Okay, I'm just going to read this. I don't have a... I'm so sorry. I don't have the person, but this is, I think, worth it. Okay, so in the questions from a new Zelda fan episode, you were talking about the Master Sword origins. Oh, I was. Yeah, I was kind of talking about Fee becoming mm-hmm. the Master Sword. Because mm-hmm. he actually asked, he said, is that the same sword all the way th- you know, from through all the games? Mm-hmm. I said, actually, yeah, it is. Uh, you were talking about the Master Sword origins and said you'd appreciate some help from listeners. I hope this helps. This is why I wanted to read this. Cool. Fee is a sentient being bound to the goddess blade by Hylia, or Hylia, Hylia, long before the game begins. When Demise is being re- resurrected by Girahim, Fee awakens and seeks the one chosen by Hylia, Link. As Link progresses, he and Fee temper the goddess blade and it becomes the Master Sword. So it does start as the goddess blade. Uh, Zelda, much like in Breath of the Wild, awakens her powers as the goddess Hylia. Hylia. Oh, I'm going to get there. Hyrule. Hyrule. <laughs> goddess Hylia reincarnated. One way to see her in the game is like Jesus is to God. Zelda is the mortal incarnation of the deity Hylia. Okay, I see that. Mm-hmm. Zelda blesses the Master Sword at, at one point, and it becomes, as the game calls it, the true Master Sword. Fee is eternally bound to the blade and acts as the spirit that determines who may wield it from then on. It's why Link in Ocarina could draw the blade. It's how the purge magic in it remains. It's how the pure magic in it remains tr- pure in Twilight Princess. And it's how the sword literally talks to Zelda in Breath of the Wild. There is a lot of world building, either established or retconned in Skyward Sword, and it can be easy to miss, sadly. Great episode as usual. Cheers. Thank you, person. Wow. I know, right? They really so helped much. out there. Yeah. Uh, so much that goes into this game or AK, these games. Oh, so sorry. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we all, yeah, and we did talk about how Skyward Sword was the first time where Nintendo was like, okay, let's try to lay some tracks here. Right. 
if if people want it, let's try to give it to them. Um, over on Twitter or Instagram, this is Instagram. AK Munger commented um, on our Beyond Good and Evil episode. Mm-hmm. I never played Beyond Good and Evil, but now I wanna. Good, you should. Um, have you all heard of the game Oceanhorn? I have. I've played it. I played it on the iPad, and it's seriously inspired by Zelda. Almost too much sometimes. It almost seems to verge on ripoff territory in a way that other Zelda-inspired Zelda games do not. I don't think Star Fox Adventures felt that way, but Oceanhorn felt almost a little too close for comfort. But I guess imitation is the greatest form of flattery. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts if you've played it. I think it's available on the Switch now. Love y'all. Keep up the fun podcastings. <laughs> uh, thank you, AK Munger. So I I played Oceanhorn all the way through. I downloaded it on my iPad a few years ago. Okay. And it, I think I downloaded it back when the Apple TV started allowing games to be played. Maybe it was about two years ago, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. So I played it a little bit on my iPad and I played it a little bit on the Apple TV using the Apple TV remote. Um, I enjoyed it very much. It's very much a ripoff of like A Link to the Past, where it's like a 2D Zelda looking down. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it now, graphically, mm-hmm. it's kind of reminiscent of the A Link, Link's Awakening um, remake that just came out for Switch. Okay. I don't know if you're Googling it right now. I am, because yeah. I have not heard of this game. It's good. We probably should play it. I don't think, I think we should play Star Fox Adventures first as our Zelda-like, our next Zelda-like. Mm-hmm. But what's even crazier is... Um, Apple just released their Apple Arcade thing, um, I don't know, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and Oceanhorn 2 is available on Apple Arcade, and it is like a full third person from behind kind of Breath of the Wild-esque game. Okay. So we'll have to see. Oceanhorn, definitely copying the Zelda mold, but again, yeah, form of flattery. Uh, another one from questions from an, a new Zelda fan. Oh, oh, uh, Becca, um, here as Batty Bex, at re, at Rebel Adi? Or Rebeladi. This is Becky. She's one mm-hmm. of our patrons. Okay. I always have a hard time saying her her uh, Twitter handle. She said, listening now, such a fun episode. Love hearing Dan's perspective. Oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Becky. <laughs> Yay. Um, another one on questions. Oh, okay. Um, we over here in... Uh, Dan asked me what the most overpowered weapon is in any Zelda game. Okay. And honestly, at the time, I was a little stumped. And the best I came up with was not a weapon, but acquiring too much stamina in Breath of the Wild. Because once you get all three rings of stamina, mm-hmm. you're pretty much just jumping up mountains. And <laughs> some of the strategy of how to move across the terrain, you lose some of it. And it gets a little, I don't want to say a little less fun, but that strategy, I enjoyed that strategy of like, oh, maybe I need to go around this peak. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to. Yeah. How do I climb yeah. rather than, I'm just going to climb it. When you have three circles of stamina, you just like, you're like X, 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 and going up, 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 up. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so that was the best I came up with. But Lost Helian over here, who writes for our blogs on our website, mm-hmm. uh, said, probably one of my um, probably one of my faves so far. I do want to add, the most overpowered weapon is the Fierce Deity Mask, hands down. Made the fight with Majora a walkthrough. He's 100% right. We haven't played Majora's Mask yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I've played it a bit. Uh, but we'll be playing it probably in season three as one of our reviews. Sure. The Fierce Deity Mask is the one that turns you into that big, huge, giant white link. I'm sure you've seen graphics, at least, of like Fierce Deity mm-hmm. Link. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Celeste Roberts here, who also writes blogs for us, she commented in over on Instagram and said, I said the same thing about Fierce Deity. The boss fights are a piece of cake with it. <clears throat> I got to get my hands on that. It almost turns you into a like a one-hit hmm. kill kind of thing. Um, and then and then Becky actually also chimed in here and she said, 100%, the most overpowered link weapon, LOL. I thought of the Breath of the Wild DLC one hit kill thing too. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But it just sucks so bad to have the vulnerability go down to right. you know, quarter heart. Right. Fair enough. <clears throat> Pardon me. Thank you. Ooh, I'm going to take a little sip of water here. 
Have you gotten to that part in the DLC yet? I have. So that was actually the weapon that I was thinking of when you talked about that question. Um, but that, I mean, it's a good point is that you, you can only get hit once as well. So is it really overpowered? Right. Because that's where the balance comes in. Right. That's not Maybe a trident. That. Is it a quadrant? <laughs> I don't serious. remember. Because it's the four yeah. champions are I, represented I on that thing. <laughs> uh, over on YouTube on our Ocarina of Time episode, Stars Roof underscore said, This podcast is so good. Love your work, guys. Just found out about this channel. So good. Well, great. Thank you very Thanks. much, Stars Roof. We're actually getting a lot of listeners over on uh, YouTube. It's picking up, Sweet. which is really, really cool. Uh, over on our Top 10 Shrines episode, which you and... Uh, oh, no, that was Shrine Quests. Yeah. This is one I did with with uh, Lizzie, Lizzie almost yep. a year ago. Mm-hmm. ran said, Fateful Stars is definitely my number one. Fateful Stars, of course, is the one where you see the constellations on the wall and have to make the connection. Mm -hmm. Fateful Stars is definitely my number one. It was also Lizzie's and mine, mine, Lizzie Lizzie and I's. (laughs) I'm getting a little tongue-tied here. How do you say that? (laughs) My favorite one, Lizzie and mine. My favorite. Mises. Okay, yep. Uh, After a few boring shrines, entering a shrine... Entering in a shrine that you have to go by thought logic was was only... (laughs) <laughs> logic only was amazing a-m-a-z-i-n-g this is the most shrines this is what most shrines should be like i still prefer this game i still prefer this game would have a few big massive dungeons oh i would still mm. prefer if this game would have a few big massive dungeons instead of so many small shrines with repetitive visuals and the same music all the time yeah i agree a little bit uh once again an amazing show i've been listening to all the podcasts in order while i'm working i will get mm. to the last one soon enough hopefully Stay around. Thank you so much. But wait, there will be more. So. <laughs> uh, over on our favorite side quest in Twilight Princess episode, this is a mm-hmm. recent one for you and I. Mm-hmm. Paul Atk said, "Awesome episode as always. Just a small correction: mm-hmm. uh, we don't get a- the bug. We don't get any bug net in Twilight Princess. Link just catches insects by hand when you press A in front of a bug. Mm. You must be confusing it with Skyward Sword, where we do get a net." And catch various items that can be used for crafting gear. Cheers. Thank you, Paul. At Fair He's enough. actually right. Yep. He's absolutely right. In fact, I dipped back into my Twilight Princess HD game just the other day for the fun of it mm-hmm. and found some bugs. And I was like, oh, yeah, you do just kind of blink, grab <laughs> it. Going to take this with my hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Breath of the Wild style, basically. Yep. Um, speaking of which, Bugnet in A Link to the Past, I'm very excited to talk about it. <laughs> I don't even know if we should call it bug catching net. We should just call it fairy catching net. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Murray on our Zelda 64 episode recently said, uh, was just able to get our Nintendo 64 back from my brother. So excited to try Ocarina of Time on 64 for the first time and Majora's Mask for the very first time. Less well. Yes, Joseph (laughs) Murray. Yes, you shall enjoy both, I presume. Fantastic. Another Zelda 64 comment here. That was such a fun episode. I loved how you talked about the changes and stages of progress throughout time. And I loved how you talked about what contributes each what contributions each developer made towards the game. I never thought of Z-targeting as a conversion of the 3D environment into a 2D environment. That was great. I love listening to these episodes, but I was fully engaged in this one. I love your show. Please do more of these making of episodes. Also agree that an LOZ movie would be dodgy. Thanks. Well, (laughs) Severin McLeod Gore. Um, Yes, we... This would be a perfect opportunity to speak about a an episode that I was on for another podcast, but I agree. These making of episodes, I love doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, they do take a bit more research. They take, a, honestly, sometimes a couple months to kind of really truly get a full picture. Sure. Um, 
because it would be easy to just hit like one history of blog. I try to find many sources so I can build my own picture when I do these. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the next one should be. Maybe it's Wind Waker. That might be interesting because it had such a strange development cycle next year. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I just like listening to them. (laughs) That's fine. I listen to them as much as our listeners listen to them. Yeah, but then we have episodes like last week where you bring all this content and we have a discussion as well. It's all very nice. So much quality content. Oh, that's some quality content. Oh, yeah. So anyway, um, a Legend of Zelda movie would be dodgy. We just two episodes ago, we had TC DeWitt of the Studio Demanded on as a guest on this show. Mm -hmm. And TC and I spoke about not about a Legend of Zelda movie, but we just spoke about how to do uh, TC is a screenwriter in Mm -hmm. California. Mm -hmm. And so we had a conversation about how do you tell stories and how do you drive a narrative when your main character doesn't talk? Sure. And, And again, to be specific, we all know that in universe Link does talk. He's kind of a quiet fellow usually, but he's not, he's he's able to talk. But mm-hmm. in the games, of course, we don't hear him talk for specific reasons that TC and I got into. However, I also had the opportunity to be a guest on TC's show, The Studio Demands It, where mm-hmm. in which he and another gentleman uh, named Jim Brazelic basically take the quick version, the quick version of a pitch for their show is that they take um, what could be impossible demands from an imaginary studio to make a film. And they try to pitch it. They pitch it to each other and they try to write, they're both screenwriters. They try to come up with an idea to make a film work. Sometimes they're crazy ideas like Home Alone 3 where Kevin McAllister has to be in it. Like current Dame Kelly <laughs> Culkin has to be in it. Um, they had a really good Men in Black episode recently where they have to do a sequel after International because International didn't do so well. But the studio says we still want one more to the franchise. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. Well, TC and I got together to do the impossible and try to write a Legend of Zelda f- film. Now that episode will come out, Kate, on their feed. The studio demands it. I think a week after this episode comes out. Okay. So listeners, Take if you're if you're killing some time while you wait for us to start up season three a month or so from now, uh, you can go over to Studio Demands It and listen to that episode. I if I do think it's coming out a week after this one. But do you know what I'll do? Do you know what I'll do? What was that? Just for you listeners. <laughs> I'm making what? this up. What? I'm what making happened? this up right now. I just turned into a used, I turned into a used car salesman salesman. I'm not I'm not I'm not joking. I think what I'll do is I'll put the first half of that episode on our feed here. Oh. In between. It's a little bonus episode. I'll do okay. it as a bonus episode. First half like a sneak peek. Yeah. But I'll do it now, live with this episode, so people can start listening to it if they want. And then a week from now, when the full thing comes out, a studio demands that people can go check it out. I don't want to give the whole thing awesome. away over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we ended up coming up with two ideas. One, both I thought were pretty interesting. Hmm. It was difficult, Kate. It was difficult. I can imagine. Nobody wants a Zelda movie. <laughs> I mean, everybody kind of thinks they do, but... But then everyone's like, yeah, maybe best not. The quick version of it is, is like, well, every <clears throat> Zelda game is a new story. So if you write a new Zelda movie, is it just a completely new story? Which means it's not really as, or do you remake one of the existing Zelda games? That's what we wrestled with. Mm. Okay, Adam Love over on Patreon, one of our patrons here, sent us a message. He said, "Hey, you two, been listening to your podcast for a while now. Figured it was time to formally thank you all for your great work. I was listening to your Skyward Sword music episode for the second time, as I'm a big soundtrack and music lover, and got inspired to dive deeper into all the great music and soundtrack in the series." Can't wait for the next music episode as you two struck a nice balance by playing snippets of the songs, but also adding your own insight and commentary. Great segment to continue for sure. Keep up the great work. I would love to do more music yeah, episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed that one very much. How did you feel about it? I I like all the music episodes. I mean, I would listen. I went through a phase of listening to 
music from various different you know games um, while at work and it's just kind of nice to have in the background especially because there are YouTube compilations of like soothing Legend of Zelda music so you're not going to get anything <laughs> like uh, crazy from Twilight Princess with the the beep boops and the like that stuff you're oh, not going to have you. to listen to that sometimes I'm in the mood for chip tunes but sometimes <laughs> I'm not but yeah I, I I would totally do another music episode for sure well speaking of uh, I mean I don't know maybe Wind Waker Wind Waker had some good music in it with that said, we have a tricky one here. Oh, yes, this one. I was hoping you would bring this one up, actually. This is Severn MacLeod Gore again. Okay, yep. Yeah? Oh, I just showed Kate in the studio. Yep. So uh, we had a comment on our Wind Waker episode, and Severn MacLeod Gore, who, who is chiming in quite a bit, thank you very much, Severn. Severn? Severn, do you think? Am I saying that right? Anyways. Yeah, Severn. Said here, I love your podcast. It's literally my favorite podcast, <laughs> but I seriously hated this episode. You both sounded like you wanted to hate the game and it sounded like you were looking for things to hate this is again on our wind waker review mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. and david said it felt like the game was too short and over too quickly but at the same time he said that he didn't do a single thing outside the main quest of course the game will be over quickly if you rush through it fair enough Severin. you're absolutely right you're absolutely right i can speak to some of this but would you like to kate yeah so i mean the the thing about when we do these review episodes is that we do have time constraints so sometimes we have to go through a game not able to really explore as much as i think you know definitely you would like to i'm a little bit less on the explorey mm. side but i know you enjoy doing that and so sometimes unfortunately we we don't have the time to spend we have busy lives um so i think that might be you know part of the reason why we mm-hmm. kind of did have to rush through that one why i for example kind of did have to rush through link to the past in my case uh, because yes. i did not have a ton of time um to dedicate to just that especially with a puppy oh boy um but so I think that might be part of it. However, I mean, yeah, sometimes we're not going to like some parts, some parts. of my, the game. That was a really tricky episode for me, and I hope that people who listen to it feel the conflict in my voice. I think you have similar conflictions um, in that the the parts that I love of Wind Waker, I love so much, I just want more of it. Right. It's and like the first half of the game. Those first three or four dungeons I just love. Right. And I think I think you can't <clears throat> deny that it does unravel a bit after that, and that is sad and unfortunate, and it doesn't make me hate the game, certainly not. I think, also, here's another thing. We we came off, and we don't have to defend this at all. Yeah. Severin, thank you so much for, for feeling this way. Um, that was a tricky episode, because we love to love Zelda. Right. And um, I, gen- I will say that coming off of playing Wind Waker HD, playing through it all the way and like really giving it a push. Mm-hmm. Those emotions for me were pure, like feeling the frustrations, feeling un. I think for me halfway through playing the game, when I saw it start to unravel and mm-hmm. I'm not saying objectively unravel, I mean, subjectively right. unravel. It's very clear that there's things added on to the end to make the game be longer when there probably should have been a couple dungeons there mm-hmm. or could have been a couple dungeons there mm-hmm. or would have been a couple dungeons there had there been a year <laughs> right. to, to have it release. Um, um, and so what happened for me, I found that as I saw, felt the game unravel, I got a little, I got pulled out of the game mm-hmm. and I started seeing it as a game again. Instead of like being in the world, which I was for the first half of that game, sure. I started just going like, okay, I got to go to do the next thing, I got to do the next thing, I'm playing a game. And that's why I lost my inspiration to do a lot of the side quests. And I think another thing, so outside of the time constraint is maybe, you know, some 
we didn't like that you had to sail to, you know, these places. And you could warp, you know, after a while. But, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Like, I prefer the horse riding Mm. exploration or just running around. The sailing, to me, also drew me out of it where I would just, like, have him sail for 10 minutes. Well, not 10 minutes, but, you know, five minutes because I had to get somewhere that I couldn't warp to. And so I would just, like, put the controller down on the table and be like, okay, go on. Or, like, you know, put my thumb down on, you know, move this way and then just kind of sit there and wait. So, you know, that to me gives me less incentive to go seek outside quests if that's how I have to get to them. Right, right. I'm the kind of person where in Breath of the Wild, I very, I warp as little as possible. Mm-hmm. I love to have that kind of natural experience of if I have to go to a town, I will walk there in Breath of the Wild or I'll take my horse. I warp very, very little. And there's stuff to see on the way. But that's the difference. Yeah. I think that's the difference. And we don't have to turn this into a Wind Waker review. Um, I think Wind Waker is a very special game for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A large portion of it Half of it is very special to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know same. what I mean? So I, w- I appreciate that comment, and I'm glad we got to bring it up and talk about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, on our top 10 emotional storylines episode, uh, Sayo Ran said, another great episode, but I got to say, I'm really upset by not having the, okay, bye, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever it's, we have guests, we don't usually get it, but that's okay. It's my brand. It has become, remember you said it just kind of by accident on the mm-hmm. first episode, and then mm-hmm. it stuck? Um uh, Joseph Purvis over on Patreon said, hey, guys, in referencing in referencing to fighting Dark Link in Ocarina of Time, mm-hmm. if you use the Begoron sword and thrust, you'll beat him easily. He can't jump um, out of the way of the bigger sword like the Master Sword. Mm-hmm. Give it a try. Mm-hmm. I have Fair heard enough. that before. I think I tried to do that but couldn't get the timing quite right. Oh, here's a quick one by Michael Went for Water Dungeons, our live Water Dungeons episode. I've listened to every single episode of your show. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Thanks for making my work day fly by, smiley face. Aw, No yay. problem, Michael. Our How pleasure. Do, do it. Absolutely our pleasure. Christopher Lopez said, uh, over on Patreon, said, thank you. I just wanted to show my appreciation by thanking you guys for giving me the opportunity to listen to conversations uh, being had about a game that has had so much positive influence in my life. I look forward to all the Magical Sword edits and the future topics. Keep up creating this amazing content. Magical Sword, that means uh, Mr. Christopher is probably watching us right now on our Hi. Magical Sword feed. Hello. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> Again, we for our Magical Sword tier people, our Magical Sword people, which I, I mm-hmm. love to call them, mm-hmm. we do offer a kind of a pseudo behind-the-scenes video version of our episodes. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, okay. Oh. Okay, this I, we're almost done here. I hope I hope you don't mind. I think we're, it's taking a little bit. Time. We're half an hour in. Let me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Pixel Mountain over on on Instagram. Um, I'll send us a, a, a kind of a longer message here, but I'd like to read it. Uh, Pixel Pixel Mountain Pop Art over on Instagram mm-hmm. gave sent us a DM and said, "Hi, Dave and Kate. My name is Travis, and I recently started listening to the podcast. I loved Link to the Past when I was a kid, but didn't own a Nintendo console after the SNES, so I didn't have a chance to play many of the subsequent games until recently. This year, I played through Ocarina and Wind Waker, and my family is getting a Switch for Christmas, Woo-hoo. so I'm looking forward to Breath of the Wild and Link's Awakening. Ooh, you're going to be in for a treat on both accounts there, mm-hmm. Pixel Mountain Pop Art. Or Travis. <laughs> Over the past year, I started doing 
some peeler artwork for video games, comics, and pop culture portraits. I've done a few that are Zelda-themed, so I wanted to share them with you. In particular, I have a framed link on a printed background from Four Swords and a large 3D Julian shield on my page. The shield is one of my favorite pieces, and it's done by five layers to really make it pop off the canvas. Uh, I hope you all check them out and enjoy. Please feel free to like and follow if you're if you're interested. Um, I'm nearly to my goal of 100 followers. Well, Pixel Mountain Pop Art, hopefully we can help you with that and some people will go check you out. Yeah. I love it. I love celebrating Zelda art on our Instagram. Oftentimes I'll just hit the Zelda hashtag and anybody who's making drawings or paintings or whatever, I like to, I like to like them. Um, sorry if this message was too long for Instagram. I said, no, no, no. We'll, <laughs> we'll be happy to read it on the episode. Everdeen7 over on our Discord channel for the Ocarina of Time episode said, I just finished listening to this episode again, and I can't help but wonder when you two are planning a deep dive episode on this wonderful game. I don't want to speak for everyone here, but I don't think anyone would mind multiple episodes on this game about Ocarina of Time specifically. Oh. And then uh, the Zelda Master 113 actually timed in real quick and he said, good timing as the topic of today's episode. And basically it came out around the time of Zelda 64 coming out. Yeah. That was a deep dive on the making of. Yeah. But I do imagine, Kate, we've already done a review episode of Twilight Princess. We've done a lot of review episodes. I think there's going to be, there will be opportunities in future seasons for us to revisit games yeah. um, outside of the context of just talking about all the dungeons and stuff like that. Right. So I'm sure Absolutely. something like that will happen with Ocarina. Daniela A. for Twilight Princess on YouTube said, Hey, I just found out about this podcast and I'm really liking it. Twilight Princess is my second favorite Zelda game just after Breath of the Wild. And this was really fun to hear. Thanks for the content. I'll be checking out more of your channel. And awesome. I think we I have three left. <laughs> so much feedback. I know. Thank you. Um, Sean Cromie over at Ganon said, Hey guys, great podcast. It's been great to hear some new Zelda content. On the topic of Ganon, I wanted to point out that Ganondorf has a last name. Mm -hmm. His full official name is Ganondorf Dragmire. Sounds familiar, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was only mentioned once in A Link to the Past at the game's beginning scene if you wait past the intro. As well, it was the only time that Ganon was spelt with the two N's in the middle. Mm. It has since been changed. Ganon versus Ganon. Thought I'd share some info. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Sean. How evil sounding. Ganondorf Dragmire. I know, Mwah. right? Uh, uh. Um, okay, here we go. Here's one. This is about Linkle. Or at least oh, yeah. Linkle's in here. Uh -huh. Hey, just wanted to say I love the pod. Legend of Zelda is one of my favorite things and one of the biggest things my brother and I have bonded over for years. So it's awesome to listen to other people from the Midwest talk about it and love it from the Midwest. Cool. I have a topic idea for you guys, but don't know if you already have plans for it or if you've already done something like it. The women... <gasps> Did we read this one already? I think so. Never mind. Going to keep going. <laughs> Thank you, Danny Targo, the real Danny Targo. I think we read that in our last episode, didn't we? Yep. Right, I we think that was a good moving. little intro into our last episode. Yes, it did work. Okay. Then I then I just have two more. One, uh, quick one here and then one that, uh, that I'd like to speak to again in a little bit. Uh, over in Season 2, Episode 21, our favorite side quest in Twilight Princess episode, uh, Chris, Christian underscore Nihilist said, listening to this... And loved it. Haven't played Twilight Princess in a long time. Was also going to say, if you guys ever are ever in a crunch to play a game and don't want to put the money down, I'm always down to lend a game if I have it. I think David said he's been meaning to try Link's Awakening on the Switch. I'm almost done. And with four little kids, I probably won't play much more <laughs> after beating it. Keep up the good work. Aww. Christian, that is so kind. Don't worry about it. We're fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> actually, awesome. I'm actually planning on buying a Switch as of this recording, possibly tomorrow. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. And uh, then just real quick, um, that's so kind. That's just like the other listener that was going to lend us a DS. Remember that? Oh, yeah. 
Guys Amazing. are too generous. I love this community. I love this community so much. Um, wandering, wandering photo Fay also then said, I wanted to say that I've been enjoying all your podcasts. I started listening on the way to work and working backward. Oh, interesting. Listening to the episodes in hmm. reverse. One of the things I wanted to say is you have, have you seen fashion from the Triforce Heroes? I have the Art and Artifacts book, and they all have many little costumes. Yeah, I think there's like a lot of um, bonus costumes in Triforce Heroes. Mm. Heroes, we'll have to get to it. Triforce Heroes, we will have to play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to find you a 3DS, all right? (laughs) Oh, geez. Here we go. Final one. I have to load this one up. I found this over on a website called chartable.com. And it was a review, and then it got edited. Uh, Here we go. So this was a review that I think was originally left possibly on iTunes. And it is titled, 95% Amazing! A plus! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Five stars. Thank you very much. That's kind. This this one's a little bit longer, but I want to read it. Um, I love this podcast and listen to it all the time. Kate and Dave are great hosts, and they always seem to find interesting things to talk about. I'm really happy someone finally talked about Minish Cap, because it was the first Zelda game I ever played. Well, the two problems I have with this podcast is one, how Dave prom- pronounces some of the words. <laughs> he pronounces Hestu as Hetsu and Termina as Termania. Absolutely, I do for both of those. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I always, I always slip. Two, when I dislike an episode, it kind of snowballs. I didn't enjoy the Ganon episode because of how they kept trying to make connections to Demise, who I think is long gone. Fair enough. Hmm. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I also, in caps, hated the Wind Waker episode because they seemed like they were looking for things to hate. Dave said the game was too short, yikes, and ended too quickly, but he also said that it didn't that he didn't do a single side quest or anything not related to the main story, which would obviously make the game feel shorter than it is. Completely fair. To be fair, he did say he did say he didn't mean to be such a grouch during the episode. <laughs> I'm sorry to be such a grouch. That, I'm still reading that and that's what he said here in the yeah. review. Whenever I like this podcast, I absolutely love it. And I love it 95% of the time. I always get excited when you release a new podcast and I can't wait to see you do see what you do in the future. Then there was an edit to the review. This is very sweet. I honestly think this is a sweet review. This is uh, Sticky Ice Cream from New Zealand wrote this review. Edit. Sorry for being so negative. I wrote this review right after listening to the Wind Waker episode <laughs> and I was really riled up about it. My complaints were mostly nitpicking for per- on personal opinion. Wind Waker is in my top three Zelda games, and those complaints don't really make this podcast any less amazing. Can't wait to see what you do next. P.S. When you do another music episode, listen to a bit of the Spirit Track soundtrack. Mm. It's amazing. I'd recommend the Overworld theme and the final boss theme. Yes, yes, yes. Sticky ice cream. Absolutely. Part of our journey here is learning how to pronounce all the words correctly <laughs> and all of that. I was going to say, I know there, there's another iTunes review that says they pronounce half the words wrong. <laughs> but, I mean, that's true. You know, the the character names, locations are not English. I mean, they're either maybe translated from Japanese or they're just like a made up word. So yeah. yeah, we're not, we're definitely not going to say things correctly all the time and apologies for that. I think I've said Termania my entire life. <laughs> I'm, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, Kat, Kate, maybe I have, but I'm, I'm like super dyslexic and actually that's kind of why I sometimes have a hard time reading these reviews as we go. I just try to push through and do my best. Mm-hmm. I literally, I guess I did literally, I don't even have to say that. I did not ever, ever in my life see that the S was before the T in Hetsu. Uh. Hestu, I mean. I'm, <laughs> I, I think I've just read it as H-E-T-S-U off the screen this entire time. 
So I'm so sorry if, when and if I pronounce things wrong. We get there. I still always get tripped up on Hillian and Hiley, and I try my best. But we... I don't even have an excuse. We're just a fan. <laughs> we're a fan podcast, and we love to love Zelda, and yeah. we... We do our best, and we we like to learn about these things along with you guys. And Absolutely. that Wind Waker review was tough for us too. Too. <laughs> Kate, are we ready All to talk about Link to, to the, past? the Past? Let me oh, pull up my notes. Okay, theme song and everything. Wow. A Link to the Past. No, nope, it's over now. Nope, didn't work. It's done. Let me pull up my notes. In the meantime, um, let me ask. Let me start with a question. Were you nervous to play this game? I was nervous to replay the game. Oh, interesting. What do you mean? So I was looking forward to playing it the first time when we were, you know, originally talking about doing this episode, like you mentioned, which was like a year ago that we were really going to do it um, initially. And I was excited. I like the style of the graphics. Like when I started playing, I was like, okay, it's not, it's not, it doesn't look too old. It doesn't look too like unpleasing to the eye, you know, like it's, it's bright. It's colorful. I like that. Um, at least until you go to the dark world, that's a little less colorful, but initially (laughs) it's, you know, it's, it's bright and colorful and fun looking. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, I started having a difficult time with it, took a little bit of a break. And then when I restarted on the switch, I was nervous. Like, am I going to like this game? You know, am I going to be able to get through it, et cetera? Yeah. So I was excited initially, a little hesitant the second time, but I have been enjoying it through like through this second replay yes because i'm cheating i'm gu- well <laughs> you're cheating because of rewind i am cheating because of rewind mode and saving whatever i want where i can pick back up in the middle of a dungeon and not have lost any you know progress um like i did that in ganon's tower basically where because it's such a long it's level. kind of a gauntlet, kind of. Yeah, um, and we'll talk, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later, but, mm. you know, I saved kind of in the middle of it so I could start back up again the next day, but not at the very beginning because that would have driven me crazy. So I am definitely using technology to my advantage playing this game. I see. Yes, and I know some people out there will not like that yeah. because, the you know, they're purists and fair enough. And I know you were playing a much more you know, pure version of the game and yeah, I mean, I wasn't rewind. like trying to, I wasn't like, I'm going to play it pure. But as I got in, I was like, I think I'll play this like as if I was playing it on a cartridge. Sure. I have the cartridge. It's right here on the table right now. Yeah. But I ended up playing it on the, the NES, the NES mini, um, because, well, I had a choice. I could either go original cartridge on the Retron 5, original cartridge on the original Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. or go with the, the SNES, uh, <clears throat> classic SNES mini. I chose the mini just because it was a little bit easier. I could just plug a HDMI in real quick. I had a lot of fun turning that CRT filter on. So mm-hmm. I feel like I still got I felt like I got those like old fashioned kind of interpretation of the graphics. So I didn't see like perfect squares and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um I died a lot, so much. <laughs> I'm not good at this game. I am not either. I enjoyed this game. I'm really not good at this game. Same. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And like there's a lot to really like about this game and and overwhelmingly I'm so pleased that we've played it and I liked it and I'll probably play it more times. I'll probably dip back in and keep playing it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it. I was like the first couple dungeons though I was just kind of like what is the deal? Why am I so bad at this? What's going on? And I wasn't looking for excuses, but I started thinking about it. I was like, well every time I try to turn Link to 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 to, to hit the sword or I'd be swinging to the left, but I wanted to swing down. It felt like he wouldn't yes, move down. Yes. And I think what it is, is I think the controls 
for A Link to the Past are very unique to this game and this game alone. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoy Link's Awakening, Oracle of Seasons, and Oracle of Ages. I've played both, all three of those, and I like them. I have not beaten Seasons yet, but the other two I've, I have beaten. Mm-hmm. We both enjoyed Minish Cap, which basically plays exactly like Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, the graphics are totally different, but the way the sword slashes work and the momentum of Link. And I realized, um, with, with the exception of the very first Legend of Zelda, which is so bonkers because you can't do eight directions or anything, you play that one so differently. Mm-hmm. With the exception of that, every 2D Zelda I've played has kind of had, maybe by accident, the same... I'll call it physics. It's not they're, not they're not running physics engines, but like the way the sword, the angle of the sword, how it would slash, how the hit detection works, mm-hmm. how quick Link moves, uh, the fact that you can swing one way and then swing an, another direction quickly without having to move Link the character. Mm-hmm. And I and that's what it was. And so I I think I said to you a few episodes ago, I said, okay, I just had to let myself. I have to play a Link to the Past the way a Link to the Past wants to be played. And I meant that with the controls. Mm-hmm. So even though for me the controls were were not what I was used to, I don't want to say unintuitive. I don't want to say anything. I'm sure if it was the first Zelda game I ever played, um, I wouldn't be having this that experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I had to kind of like untrain myself from the things I knew from the top-down Zeldas to even make Link run around. So I want to tell you one thing. I did a little experiment. I um, recorded, because I was using that mini, Mm -hmm. I had an HDMI, so I went into an HDMI screen recorder and I recorded myself playing every dungeon. And I might release these as little videos, maybe in the off season or something Mm -hmm. like that. I might as well call the playlist Watch David Suck at A Link to the Past. (laughs) I'm dying left and right. I think I'm dying 10, 15 times in a dungeon. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. That's not the game's fault. This is, what's fun about this is a lot of people that are going to be listening to this episode, a lot of people that listen to this show, this was their first Zelda game, and they've mm-hmm. probably played it maybe even hundreds of times, certainly tens and tens of times, right? Mm-hmm. And I really, really respect that, and I think that that's, that's um, fantastic. We have this kind of unique opportunity. We're, we're coming to this game with the knowledge of the 3D Zeldas first. Mm-hmm. I had the first dungeon, well, the first kind of real dungeon. I know there's the, some of these like Zelda rescues and all that kind of stuff. I walked up to, you know, the the things with the eyeballs that spin around in, yes. in Ocarina of Time. Yep. And you can like take care of them with a bomb. Right. Through bomb. You cannot Nothing do happened. that. <laughs> uh, then I was like, I'm, Arrows. I, all of this is recorded. So people will see me try. Like if you want to watch someone try to figure out how to play this game, <laughs> these videos, which I think I'll release, you know, whatever, maybe a couple weeks from now. Oh, man. Um, will show you. Will show me. Will show you. Show. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I can't even say it correctly. But will display me trying to figure out what the rules are and what the logic is of this game. Because I'm kind of coming in also informed by the 3D games. So I had to mm-hmm. readjust my controls, and I had to readjust what the logic was. And so I think initially, whenever I used to jump into A Link to the Past, that's what would frustrate me. You see where I'm going with this? Yes, and I agree. Um, I would have so much trouble because I would be like slashing at an enemy that seems, it seems like the enemy can move much easier than Link can. Yeah. So they would be, they'd move from my left to my right and I wouldn't be able to turn around yeah, the turn and then around they'd like thing. hit my side and then you get the, uh, like yep. <laughs> a little, uh, and, and, and it gets like, hit back a little bit. Stop, stop doing that. So whenever that would happen, I would go, Oh no, 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 that's not fair. And I'd rewind. <laughs> <laughs> so I would get unhit because I'm like... I would just get hit. Well, you didn't have a choice. And die so many times. And I did die so many times on my first playthrough. And I really, really, like I said, appreciated rewind mode to like just give me a chance. I because see. if I didn't have that, 
it would not have I would have gotten much more frustrated with it because of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So I'm really glad that it existed because then I'm like, okay, now I can get through this game and now I can like play this game. I mean, yes, I'm cheating at it. Like I will admit that I had to use walkthroughs sometimes because some of it was just so I didn't know what on earth to do or like I would get to a certain point and get stuck and not be able to get anywhere. And I didn't know that I was missing something. I had fun getting stuck. I mean, I went when I when once I said, okay. I'm going to have to relearn the logic. Okay, I'm going to have to relearn the controls. And I chose to not get upset about those two variables. Mm -hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed this game. I had a hard time playing it. I thoroughly enjoyed this game. (laughs) It didn't make me like upset until I got to Turtle Rock and didn't have the Quake medallion. And I went, what is this thing? Question marks. (laughs) Just nothing. Mm. I I had the other medallion Mm. or one of the others. I, I know I didn't get all of the items yet Mm. um and i'm looking forward to going back and like actually getting them and having the time to explore after we're done recording this where i don't have that time limit um but yeah that was the only time i was just like dang it otherwise i'd be like okay well i can go back and i think i know where to go or i think i kind of understand what to do but that was the one part where i I really got stuck but anyway should we uh do characters we oh, can do sorry, that. Sorry, yeah, I was what? just gonna say start at the beginning, but yeah, we can definitely. Yeah, we can start at the beginning. Um, let's do it like how we usually do. We'll do characters. We'll talk about the dungeons, but I still just want to talk about the game just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it was really fun. One thing that was super cool about playing uh, Link to the Past was to learn. I'm very happy we have this in our repertoire now, mm-hmm. because I almost want to go back and like re-record some of our episodes because there is a water dungeon in this game. Like, it's kind of simple, but you're putting water up and down based on, like, our rules and our logic. Mm-hmm. There is a water dungeon. And I remember, like, when we recorded our water dungeon episode, we kind of had to let Lizzie take the lead on that one. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. We, we know that now. There is um, a hookshot in this game. Mm-hmm. I never got to the hookshot before. Like, oh. when I had played in the previous yeah, times, yeah. usually I'd kind of get to the Master Sword back in the day when I would try this game over the past 10, 20 years. I'd kind of get to maybe that first Aghanim fight, and then I would usually lose my way in the past when I was playing casually. Mm-hmm. This time, obviously, for the review, we pushed forward. And um, I learned so much. There's a Zora's River in this game. Yeah. I was so excited. I was so excited to, like, learn these things and find this stuff. I was like, there is so much in this game that I didn't realize is part of the Zelda universe. Oh, that yeah, was sure. truly cool. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there. I knew about the Zora stuff. That was something I actually explored right away on my first playthrough. Mm. So that much um, I knew about. I. It was weird to me that Kakariko Village was not friendly, and I didn't. It made me sad. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to be able to walk around and talk to everyone. You don't really have like a safe haven in this game necessarily. That's There's true. not like a happy little village that you can go back to because your your happy little village of Kakariko is not happy. Maybe it's just the sanctuary. Yeah, that's but that's not, not even... enough of a village. Like no. I, I was missing like the the people I could talk to and kind of like an oasis mm-hmm. that I could return to at sometimes. I mean, and usually in the games, the oasis turns into a hellscape at certain t- like oh, at I a see, certain right? point where it's like this thing's on fire or everything is bad. Like Ocarina. Or, yeah, got it. Um, and then it goes back to normal, but I didn't have that, and that made me kind of bummed out. But um, I did. I liked the size of the overworld. I okay. felt manageable 
to me. Yeah. Um, it wasn't too big. There was some frustrations when you get to the dark world and some places are blocked off that, you know, right. are not blocked off in the light world. So you have to kind of figure out, okay, how do I get to this place that I definitely need to get to? Yeah. Like the Lost Woods, for example, and I can't go in the same path that I would have in the light world. So, I mean, in that sense, there are like two overworlds, you know, it kind of doubles in size. Which is which is a classic, not a trope, but a classic variable in a lot of Zelda games mm-hmm. um, to have the two worlds, Twilight, not in the regular, mm-hmm. um, the past and the, and, the, and the present, like in Oracle of Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, Oracle of Seasons has four different phases of overworld. Yeah. Um, oh, and actually Oracle of Seasons also has this other land where people in hoods live and it has a whole second map. But um, I felt that the overworld, the overworld felt like a touch small to me. Actually, playing it, okay, um, I didn't mind, but it felt small compared to the like. I remember playing Minish Cap and think like Minish Cap's overworld felt larger to me than than a Link to the Pasts. Mm. But I think it was just more maze like, is what it was. It just took longer to get through. Yeah, I mean, I I liked that. Maybe maybe I liked that it was smaller and that was appropriate to me, just because. You know, there were there were places where I got stuck and I was like, oh, I need to get something here that I can't I have to get to move forward. And I didn't have to travel for a long period of time to get to that thing. I was like, "Okay, well, I still have to do some work and I still have to get to this place and do whatever I need to do. But it's not going to take me like half an hour to do like I could make it take half an hour if I wanted to really like explore and, you know, putts around for a while but you know i could take care of stuff quicker and i think i appreciated that yeah i can see thinking about the overworld and like the large sprites of the trees and all these kind of you know beautiful graphics it did seem a little bit more open than if you were to be coming off of the original the legend of zelda Mm -hmm. i think if i would have played the original legend of zelda then played led you know venture of link and then played A Link to the Past in order in my life, I think A Link to the Past would have blown my mind. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a pretty impressive game yeah. in that context. Mm-hmm. It's That's really neat. I mean, and, and the Super Nintendo did that with Super Metroid and Super Mario World. And then this game, they, they brought those franchises to new levels. They mm-hmm. really did. <laughs> Video game pun. New levels. levels. Oh. <laughs> um, and so I think there is something to be said for that. What's interesting is that um, Super Mario World is also my... I, a Link to the Past is not by any stretch my least favorite Zelda game. But it is for right now, it's the one that's the most difficult for me to play. Mm-hmm. Just the mechanics. I just mm-hmm. have to get used to it. The Also, the most difficult Mario game for me to play is Super Mario World. The physics are just a touch different on there. And there's something with the Super Nintendo for me. I love the Super Nintendo. I have a massive Super Nintendo collection. There's a lot of games I love to play on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But some of those early Super Nintendo games, something with the controls is just a, a clunk... A, a, a bulkiness or something that, that yeah. weighs me down a little sometimes. Yeah. I get what you're saying about the, the physics in Super Mario World. Like, Mario's a little more floaty. Yeah. Like, it's... I, I play that game holding B down the entire time. Yeah. Um, and actually, with, with that said, when the, the two Super Mario makers came out, um, the team that was building it, certainly the first Super Mario maker, they experimented with having the actual physics for each play style. Because, oh, you know, geez. there's like four different graphic yeah. styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said it was just too crazy. And so yeah. um, they ended up going technically with the new Super Mario Brothers physics because they figured that's what most people would be used to. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I love playing the Super Nintendo theme on Super Mario Maker. That's actually one of my favorites graphically. Mm-hmm. But it's those physics, man. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So we'll keep speaking about the game and how it, 
it, uh, it appeared to us. I thought it was really fun. All the different transparency layers was super cool. I liked going to get Zelda right off the bat. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about characters. Okay. So you and I have talked about Ganon, 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 Ganon over the past two years. Um, let's talk about Aganim. Okay. He's a guy. He's a, yeah. I don't really know much about him. Right? Um... I, I don't think we do learn much about him, just that he wants to, he's working for Ganon, right? I mean, basically, he's like Ganon's puppet, so I, to speak. He feels like what was like a Zant. Right. You know what I mean? Before there was a Zant. Right. So he wants to, you know, take away the seven maidens and trap them and do whatever he has to do so that Ganon can be king of the world, basically. I don't know what's in it for Aganim. Do they ever, like, explain... I don't Why? know. Like what his motivations are? He just um, wants to help Ganon? Kind of. The closest is when you do actually get to Ganon, he kind of says like, I can't believe you defeated that thing twice and stuff like that. And, hmm. and Okay, I'll finish you off type of thing. Um, I'm fine with Aganim. I'm fine with it. This is also, I had to remind myself, this is when Nintendo, even by accident, was starting to build the formula of what a Zelda game is. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we really started getting that. So for, at first it felt weird to be getting these like, Diamonds, right? Not the Triforce things, or not a whatever. Yeah, and uh, we're saving maidens, and it was all, and there were wise men, and I was like, Ooh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, this feels weird. Yeah, a little different. But it's before, really, we started getting like the ocarina staples. But so many of them were here already. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do it. So Link in this game, he's pretty normal. I don't know what. What are you? How are your thoughts on Link and his introduction? He wakes up out of a bed just like normal. Of we course, get that. right. Um. I don't know that I have much of an opinion. I mean, it's Link. Um. I will say the one thing I noticed, even like if we're going to talk about Zelda, if we're going to talk about Ganon, we're going to talk about any of these people, even Saralahasa or however you say that guy's name. I think I had I had to remember that this was from a time where we were when people played a Link to the Past. I presume they were coming from. The first game where they were coming from I Am Error and they were coming from like mm-hmm. Dodongo dislikes smoke. That's the most text or narrative they were getting in previous Zelda games. Mm-hmm. So when you have an opening crawl and an opening kind of cutscene and you have characters saying full sentences saying, come find me. I'm sure for the time there was a ton of story here. Sure. You know what I mean? By today's standards, it felt really bare bones and really light. Right. In fact, they kind of just felt like archetypes, these characters. I didn't feel like they were really characters at all. And I, I think that's okay, but that's how I felt about it. Yeah. Um, he does have an uncle in this one, so yeah. that's a little different. He has, like, a family <gasps> member. Who survives. Oh. I know. That's... I always thought that he dies in the beginning, but he's he lives in the end credits. Oh. It literally says, like, uh, like I watched the, the end credits go for a while, and I just watched him because I was like, well, I'm, you know, first time I'm going to be able to do this. Um and basically it says, like, Uncle recovers. And then they both do, like, a sword thing Yay! right at the end. I okay, so, so Uncle survives. just so everyone knows, I have not yet finished the game. You're, like, right at the end of Ganon's Castle. I'm at Castle. the end of Ganon's Castle. Or, yeah, so I'm, I'm so close to there, and I will keep going. Like, I'm going to pick up the game and, and keep playing it. I did run out of time a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm so close. I can taste it to the end, and I'm looking forward to it. It's fine. You're not missing much. You're missing a, a to an Aganim battle. 
where he splits into three, but it's basically the same thing as the first Egg in battle, and okay. then again in battle, which is I had a hard time with it. He kind of teleports all over the place, but mm-hmm. well, luckily I have rewind mode on my side. So. <laughs> I just cling to life with my two last two hearts and undie and undie and undie and undie over and over and over and over again. Undie, I died so many times. I just started like every time I just find um, fairies and I just stock up on fairies in bottles. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was fun to like find the old man under the bridge. Have you found him yet? Um, for the extra bottle. Remember I said, you said like, oh, I need a couple extra bottles. And I think Alex Sheehan was on an episode and he gave me a hint that you can go under the bridge and get an extra bottle from, there's kind of like, I don't know if it's a homeless man. I don't know if that's appropriate, but it's a a vagabond who is clearly camping with a fire Hmm. under the main moat bridge for the castle. You can get a bottle from a guy in there. Okay, well, I gotta go Jump into the moat and swim under there and it brings up a whole little thing. Good to know. Spare bottles because, oh boy, I needed bottles because it was fairies, fairies, fairies for me. Yeah, I only have one bottle. And I had a heart, oh, really? Okay, yeah. I usually don't get many bottles but in this game I was like, yikes, this is what I need Uh because I I don't have the the rewind. Um, Okay, well, why don't we, what if we do this? Let's take a break and um, after the break, let's push through all these different dungeons and things. Before we go to break, oh, yeah, one last character maybe we should talk about is Sahasrala, or that's how yeah. I pronounce it at least. Listeners, chime in about how I murdered that name. Sahasrala. Um What were your thoughts on, I'm going to call it his, I don't I don't know if it's a his, his, or, his or hers, but... Yeah. Um, We'll just use the his pronoun for now. What What are your thoughts on like his guidance that he is giving you in the form of you know the little wall tiles? Yeah, that felt. I mean, that's obviously the mechanic of the owl from Ocarina. This existed before the owl and Link's Awakening to owl statues. The owls right? and Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. Oh, with the owl statues. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, it's funny because I think the Oracle games kind of harken back to this Sarahlahasa. Sahasrala. Sahasrala. I think so. so I think so. Um, which which syllable? It didn't annoy me. On? I was fine with it. Um, he would give you kind of little vague little hints. One thing that I missed is I didn't grab that moon, moon pearl right away. Mm, this is all on same. record. I recorded it. I had to go back and go get the moon same pearl. Same on my first playthrough. Yeah. I had, yeah. Me too. I didn't know I had to fall through the floor to get it. I had a feel. I had a feeling I had to fall through the floor. I had a feeling it was in that chest. Um, just as I was playing, I kind of just lost track. I got to the boss and I was okay, keep on going. And I had a, you know, and this is great. I love, I love this This is a perfect example of perhaps I assumed that the game would loop me back to it because perhaps some of the modern games would make sure that it, they would. And, you know, they would hold your hand a little bit more perhaps Mm -hmm. in a more modern game. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm pleased that it was a little bit more open-ended in this game for that. I did. I found that the advice that was given on those wall tiles was usually something that I had already figured out. But I mean, it was yeah. nice just in case I hadn't. I was like, "Oh, thanks." Um, and I, I guess I thought it was interesting that you have both um, Zelda speaking to him, kind of like telepathically, like, "Oh, I'm in the castle. Come get me. Come find me." Yeah. And then oh, you right. have this other being kind of communicating with him telepathically. Through I just, I wonder why maybe they didn't why this second being was necessary as opposed to just like signs on the wall or why it wasn't Zelda doing it the whole entire time. Like, so I was just curious. I don't know. I mean, it's a hypothetical or a rhetorical rather question. You know, why the wise old man thing? Yeah, that's true. And why not his uncle in that case? You know, like why is there this extra? I don't know. Well, wasn't Sahasrala 
didn't didn't he first bump into him at the shrine, right? When you right in the beginning of the game, isn't that who's at the shrine or am I? Oh, yeah. And then he jumps around, and I think there's technically a couple of them. I thought there was a couple different of those gentlemen actually. Like you find one in the in the up in the mountain. Mm. Is that the same guy? I don't know. I thought it was someone different because I think they had different colored clothes, but maybe he just changed. No, I think he says something like, "Go find my partner." Blah blah blah. And then there's another one in the rock quarry, but somehow they all. Man, I got, see. I need to explore more because I haven't found. I found the one guy saying, "Just pay no mind yep. to that guy." I'll say the mechanic. Pay no mind to that, the sleeping guy. I don't think he's sleeping. He's just kind of standing there, and there's a sign next to him that says, "Like, don't bother him. Just ignore him." Right. That I think ends up becoming a th- a thief. But anyway, um, he can unlock a chest for you. Mm. He's a thief. So there's a, it's anyway, um, 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 I was fine with the Saha Saralasla stuff <laughs> because, um, I, I know it's just the mechanics. They needed some, they needed a way to be able to talk to you and I was fine sure. with it. I was not particularly offended by him or anything like that. It, I am. And the Wikipedia says he is a descendant of those who forged the master sword. Oh, okay, cool. So, I thought he kind of looked like the wise men in the original yeah. opening cutscene. I kind of put him in that vein. That oh, hey, we have, um. Pre, pre, sexy fairies, normal fairies. Yep, that's true. That was cool. That was nice. And I, it was weird to not have like. I mean, you, you did. There were a couple like larger fairies, but I I guess I was surprised that there were so few of them, or you know, so spread out. Yeah. And usually, you know, so I'd get to a fairy fountain and be like, "Oh yeah, a fairy foe. There's no one here. They're just kind of flying around. Okay, fine. Like I was, (laughs) you know, so lonely. Oh really? I actually sometimes I'd get to the. I guess we would call them by these days like a great fairy fountain. Yeah. I'd get to one, and I was like, sometimes I'd be disappointed. I was like, no, no, no. I need the little fairies. I got to put them in my bottles. True. Fair. (laughs) All right. Oh, big fairy is going to restore my hearts. Thanks. I'm just going to lose them in 10 seconds. I need <laughs> I need to bottle these things up. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I got hit so much. Mm-hmm. All right. So now let's go to break and do dungeons. Okay. Yeah, sounds cool. good. I'll see you in a bit. Okay. Bye. Hey, everybody. David here. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to talk to you about some of the updates we have on our Patreon page. Now, as some of you know, we do have our three tiers, the sword tier, the white sword tier, and the magical sword tier. And we've been getting some really tremendous support over on Patreon. It's it's truly amazing. And I want to tell you a little bit about some of our new rewards. So for starters, we've decided to add the wallpaper reward to our sword tier. This means that anyone who is a supporter on Patreon will get a special thank you on our website, and they'll also receive the ability to download wallpapers once a month from our Patreon page. Now, I make these wallpapers myself, and it's a lot of fun. They come in a variation of screen sizes. I also make a phone version and an iPad version. I even make an Apple Watch version, which is kind of fun. Next, we have our White Sword tier, and that's staying pretty much the same. What the White Sword level will give you is early access to each of our episodes. Typically, it's about a week before. Um, Also, advertisement-free versions of those episodes, and I record a little Patreon-specific intro before each one, just a touch of behind the scenes before we get into the episodes. Also, of course, on the White Sword tier, we have our bonus content, which we release just little mini-episodes every, oh, I don't know, every three or four normal episodes, we put a little mini-episode in there. That will also be available on the private RSS link that you'll receive by becoming a White Sword member. 
And lastly, this is the big one. Our magical sword tier, Kate and I have decided to bring a camera with us into the studio, you could say, every single episode going forward after episode 17 of season two. So we just kind of set this camera up and we say a little quick intro to our magical sword patrons and we let them be there with us, so to speak, while we record the episode. I'm really excited about this because I've been wanting to give our magical sword supporters something really special, and I think this is a great way to do it. Okay, so that's it. You can go to patreon.com slash another Zelda podcast. You can also find links on our website to our Patreon page. We're so grateful for the support we've received already, and um, if you are interested in any of these rewards at all, please go check us out. Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. All right, we are back. Yes. Get into the meat and potatoes. Yes. Of the of the link to the past dungeons is what we're going to So I mean start here. Fine, there's that first castle, but let's talk about the first real dungeon, the Eastern Palace. Okay. Mhm. Uh yeah, I thought this was a good introduction. I remember enjoying this one when I first played. Yeah, then, yeah. This is the one I've played the most because I've always, every time I play, I at least get to this one. Right. <laughs> this one is easy enough to get to. Um, this is the one where you get the arrows and stuff like that. I mean, it yes. was it was basically for me, it was really teaching me the mechanics of that every screen has two layers to it, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. I'm trying to go back and like remember this one because it has it been a while. A while well, yeah, there's a lot it. of walking around. It's not too open, but this is the one where you get the arrows and you start getting the little robots that walk down towards you and you learn to shoot things in the eye with an arrow. Uh, yes. Yep. Okay. Oh, that's another fun thing about this game that I kind of liked. A lot of times you, when you think you're going to get a boss key, you actually get your mid item in a massive chest yes like you know that was kind of neat um i had some issues with the the items that you would get because you don't have to get them you might miss them i mean in some dungeons they're definitely harder to get to than others so they're and i think do you need the arrows to move forward in this one i got the arrows so i kind of don't know um I don't remember, but there are certain, like, I never got the cape. 
Oh. I never got the cape. It's I didn't even know about the cape. The I know cheat nothing. cape. It's basically, let's just call it the cheat cape. Yeah. I mean, it uses up magic, but. That would have been useful to have. I was like, use your cape. I was reading a walkthrough like, use your cape. What cape? What? And that's probably a treasure in a dungeon. There were a few heart pieces that I got where I did not have the cape yet. Mm-hmm. And um, it allows you to like run over yeah. spikes. Uh, yeah. No, I that. just fairy bottled and I would run over the spikes Me and too. then chug another fairy bottle. Me too. <laughs> or I would just do it as fast as possible and then rewind if I died. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, so, I guess you can miss some of the items. Hmm, you totally can. They are not, like you said, the future future Zelda games will, will kind of hold your hand and be like, here's you know the mid-boss and then you get this item and you have to have this item to progress. I yeah. don't know that you have to have all these items for better or for worse i think i kind of like the open-endedness maybe it could be a little frustrating um i i kind of prefer that i didn't i I felt it in this game but i didn't mind Mm -hmm. maybe because i'm just kind of like really feeling the open world breath of the wild stuff that i'm kind of like oh you 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 don't you know it's um like compared to twilight princess where every single thing you do like like you walk into a room and Minda goes like, look at those ropes. Monkeys like to hang from ropes. We should find monkeys. And you're like, oh, okay. That makes sense, right? You know. Um, uh, this this boss was the, the six guys jumping around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, that boss is fine. I That's think it's it. a good introduction boss. Mm-hmm. I think this the reason I don't really remember this dungeon that well is because there wasn't too much to it. It's pretty simple. Like you said, it's an introduction to everything. The boss is... An introduction boss where it's definitely possible to defeat in one try. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you're not at the point where they're shooting stuff at you because I think they just move around. They just kind of jump around in a circle and then they move to the top of the screen and then they come down. Yes, right. Like in a line and you have right. to line up correctly or shoot them with your arrow to get them out of the way. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Another so, thing that was interesting about all the bosses in this game is a lot of times you could just attack them with your sword if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I had many. I have many a boss on record of me trying to say like, okay, I got to use the special item. Got to use the special me item. Me too. And after a while, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can actually just hack and slash at this thing? Yes. I had that exact <laughs> thing happen to me where I'm just like, why can't I hit this guy? Mm-hmm. There's, And we'll get to that one later. But I was just like, there's no way. Oh, I just have to go next to him and hit him with the sword. <laughs> sometimes I'd get that too. Okay, fair should we, enough. Should we move on to the desert palace? Uh, Yeah, because, yeah, not too much, I think, to talk about with the eastern palace. Just a good, nice, easy first, you know, Deku tree-esque think I built up too many keys. It was kind of key to door, key to door, key to door. There might have been one or two mm-hmm. buildups, but mm-hmm. but by contrast, the Desert Palace, you go in and, oh, I have a very frustrating recording of Desert Palace. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, though, I really enjoyed playing it, though, but um, you go into that first room and there's seven different doors that you can go into right off the main hub room. This, is, this was the first time where I really felt my expectations of a 3D Zelda game affect me in a palace or in a dungeon. You also needed to get the book... Of Mudora yeah. to Mudora. yes to even get there, so that was kind of an interesting element is that you had to get this other item to even access the place because you first go there, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go there, and it's just gibberish, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> what do I do? I I remember seeing the book in the library, and also it was kind of cool because that there was a callback to that book mm-hmm. in Minish Cap, mm-hmm. which we played first. 
Right. So for me, it felt like I was Oops. like, oh, it's like the, it's the Minish Cap thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is, like you said, where the Bemos um, are first found, where we were both trying to defeat them in some kind of way with bombs or the ones that shoot the lasers. Yes. Out of there. Yes. Those are tough in this one because you cannot turn them off. You can't defeat them. They I think are you cannot. Tough. And also, this is the first time where I really started struggling or learning What's a wall? What's not? What is height? What isn't? Mm-hmm. Like the Bemos can shoot through a pillar, but they can't shoot through some of the statues. And so like learning that line of sight was um, challenging at first. I was fine with it. I get it. Mm-hmm. But I got hit a lot by those Bemos. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I had an easier time understanding which walls are bombable now that I've played enough of these types of Zelda games to recognize it. Yeah. Because otherwise my my eyes wouldn't be looking for that. I would just be kind of like, okay, whatever. And I wouldn't understand, you know, what I need to be looking for and and how to find secret rooms. And so I had I had a better time with this game because now I knew Cool. Where to find those and what to do and etc. So that wasn't like a if you thing see a, that... a lumpy wall or whatever. Uh-huh. You see a, yeah. a crack in the wall. And there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of crack in, in the floors here too, where you bomb down, up and down. Mm-hmm. I I will say overall, all the dungeons, I did enjoy the I wouldn't say 3D nature of the dungeons, but the fact that you had to think about them in the context of a three-dimensional space. Spatially, I liked yeah. that a lot. Um <laughs> I like I, the puzzleness of it. I like, yeah, no, I, I like the the puzzles of a majority of the dungeons. The only time I didn't like the puzzles were when you did have to fall through a specific hole in the floor to get to a specific area. So those are my favorites. I gotta say, I love that. I'm kind of as soon as I see that, as soon as I see a beam of light or a thing below, it's like, ooh, let's figure it out. How do we get there? Yeah. So here we come to our Dave and Kate not thinking the same way um, and obviously hating each other, which our listeners have commented on. Copy that. Um, but yeah, that was not that was not my favorite thing. I don't. It's not that I dislike dungeons that you do have to think spatially for, or like, okay, what's above this, what's below that. I mean, I do like. I weirdly like, you know, in, in Ocarina of Time when you're inside Jabu Jabu and you're kind of going up and down yeah. to different levels in that and you have to fall through a certain hole in the floor. I actually don't mind that version of it because you only have to do it like once. It's okay. not in like everything. Um, and it's, I think I found it easier to get back to that place where I could then fall through another hole and see, oh, is it this one? Okay, it's not that one. Okay, is it this one? Whereas um. this game, if I did that and fell through the wrong hole... I th- I feel I feel like it took longer to get back on track. I had to kind of this dungeon was the first dungeon truly where I had to relearn how to get a key. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is sometimes they're just in pots in this game. Yep. Um <clears throat> and I I had a really hard time in this dungeon and I'm not complaining. I'm speaking to you know what's so interesting about this is I actually enjoyed I actually enjoyed every single dungeon. I liked playing them. I really did in this game. Mm-hmm. I think every single one, it was just the right balance. I thought they st- the variety that started happening in the later dungeons was kind of cool. The pipes, mm-hmm. Turtle Rock. Like mm-hmm. I was I was actually comfortable with every single dungeon. I, I, again, didn't have a great, I didn't do very well playing them. And I'm willing to put myself out there. <laughs> like, Oh, I was not good at this game. I'm going to put these videos out there, but um, I'm just going to have to trust our audience a little bit. To, to in the, It's the context. But what's what's interesting about our experience here playing this game is that we're coming to it almost last. Both you and mm-hmm. I have played 75% of the Zelda library. And this is one of our, this was kind of one of our, what is it, not Sacred Cow, but um, mm-hmm. Games of Shame, and that we hadn't 
gotten to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now it's in there. We have it in our repertoire. I'm so happy, as I said earlier. Indeed. But um, I had I had many times in this dungeon where I was running around, running around, running around, running around. There was one. There was a moment where I died. I think maybe ten times in this one area because there was three Bemos looking for a key, looking for a key. I ended up circling around the entire dungeon saying, where did I miss the key? What did I get? Mm-hmm. It was just in one pot that I wasn't picking up <laughs> at the top of the room, right next to the door I was trying to get through. Uh, oh my yeah. goodness. And I had accidentally picked up all these other pots. And then finally, I just accidentally picked up a pot because I didn't know what else to do. And I was like, what? There was the key. Or uh, I had another experience with this one where uh, one of the Bemos, they were firing. Oh yeah, also in this dungeon, I, I was lighting every torch. I was like, yeah, there's a torch there. I got to light it, right? Yep, yep. There's a lot of torches you don't need to light Nothing. in this one. I remember that. Which I kind of enjoy. I kind of enjoy that, again, it's a little bit more of that open worldiness. They're like, yeah, maybe you don't have to light every single torch. Yeah, later in the game is when you really, there are a lot of more, a lot more torch puzzles specifically. Yeah. Um, and like Ganon's castle, there are a lot of those. I mean, when you play Link's Awakening, it's like if there's a, a, a torch Light you it. light it. You light it, right. And that's where I was coming from. Um, there was Excuse another me. time where like pushing, we still have a lot of these kind of classic just push the block to open a door things mm-hmm. in this game, mm-hmm. which are all over the original one because that's about as fancy as a puzzle got in the original one was push that block to the left. Yeah. Um, um, and I also had an experience in this dungeon where I was running around, running around, running around. I tested each block in a room. Sure, I've done that before. Mm -hmm. Like, go to each block. But apparently I didn't test it correctly. I must have been, my pixels must have been off just enough where I thought I pushed on one block. Again, circled the dungeon for a half an hour, which I'm going to keep in this recording. I'll probably just fast forward it for the people. (laughs) And finally came back to the room. I thought, I don't know what else to do. I guess I'll try pushing all these blocks. Just had to push that one. Mm -hmm. Thought I did. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's a little bit of that control stuff where I was like, what are you kidding me? (laughs) But again, I wasn't mad about it. It was just like, okay, here we are. We're learning it. Relearn it. Yep. Um, And then the boss in this one was the... The flying snakes, right? Yep. Lanmolas. I don't know. That's what the name of it is. But yeah, um, those, I don't mind. They weren't impossible. They're kind of fun. I like them. I mean, they, they pop up and you slash them and you just do that a million times. Nothing too fancy about... That boss. In well, I had difficulty with this boss in one way. I there's there is something about okay. I'm going to complain about one thing about the engine of a link to the past, and I'm going to complain about it, but I'm not truly complaining about it. They had a lot of fun doing kind of faux 3D things in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, having the rocks fall down in Death Mountain, you know, mm-hmm. the avalanches. And this boss has it where the, the caterpillars come out and they fly around and they dive back in. Mm-hmm. I assumed when, you, so like when you play Super Mario 64, where is something on the ground? Look for its shadow on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the early days in the Nintendo 64, that's kind of how they would help inform you as to where something is in 3D space is the shadow would always be immediately below it, yep. regardless of where maybe where the practical realistic light source would be. So when I played this boss, I thought that I could only hit the sprites, the key moment that they were coming out of the ground or going into the ground, and that that means that they were at my height. But you can attack these sprites at any time. Really? Even when they're flying around. I don't think I realized that. So the engine of A Link to the Past, the shadows are a little deceiving. You might think that, um, like when, when when you're dodging the boulders in Death Mountain, you just have to dodge the actual sprites, even though they have mm-hmm. a shadow below them. Mm-hmm. 
I got I had such a hard time. I kept getting hit by the rocks because I thought, well, it's off the ground. Right. I'm dodging the shadow, nope. not the sprite. You got to dodge the sprite. So equally so, you all you really need to do. It took me a while to learn. Oh, these things look like they're off the ground. They are not. Just deal with the sprite. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I thought the same exact thing. I would always be right next to the boss when it was coming out of the ground because yeah. I'm like, oh, that's when I can hit it. That's what I thought too. I kind of was almost doing like uh, like a uh, Shadow of the Colossus thing or something. I'm Is trying Milo? to in, I'm trying to invite Milo up he's so he can be get, on the video. I know he's actually like kind of being friendly in this recording. There he is. Hi, magical sword people. This is Milo. Say hi. Perfect. Wow! Right into the mic and everything. Good boy. Later, Milo. I hope everyone enjoyed that. He seems to be relaxing a little bit yeah. these days. I bet you the stress of ha- you having a dog. When the dog's not around, he's probably like peace and quiet. When, when Dave's here, it's like way less scary than the dog. I know. I used to be the scary thing, and now mm-hmm. I'm nothing to him. I'm nothing to you, Milo. <laughs> that that means that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right, right, that's right. A good thing. So I just want to talk about that because this is the first time where I really realized, oh, I need to also relearn hit detection in this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a bad guy is burrowing in and out of the ground in this level, in this dungeon specifically. This is where I had my like... I guess the expression would be like my come to Jesus moment with this game <laughs> where I realize I have to completely erase everything I know about Zelda games to play this one mm-hmm. um, just because it's one of the first. And um, I would I, I, and a bad guy would start coming out of the ground and I'd start slashing away. You know what I mean? Or I'd have a pot ready to throw at a bad guy that's coming out of the sand. Yep. He started coming out, throw it at the pot. Didn't do anything. Oh, I have to wait for it to be totally out. I have to wait for that sprite to be completely out of the ground for the hit detection to work. Mm-hmm. It's just tricky stuff that we had to learn along the way. I just slash at everything all the time. That's just my... <laughs> well, the funny thing about that is that in this game, if you slash at everything all the time, uh, Link can't turn around, as we said earlier. <laughs> True. Yep. I had to figure that out myself. You had to really be strategic with it. Um, but anyway, let's let's keep moving on. Then we go to the Tower of Hera. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we discover the Zora River and all that. I had a blast. I was so I was giddy realizing that there is a Zora River. And they don't really call it the, the Zora River, but right. it is. Yeah. They're they're the mean ones are in there, right? And mm-hmm. then um it's interesting, you know, you don't have the flippers just yet, so you can't explore all of it. You gotta stay to the shallows, right? Yet you oh, get yeah. the flippers eventually. Um, but yeah. when you're first exploring the area you know you can't access all of it it's kind of like a maze um but yeah that was cool yeah i was happy about it and then you find a slightly less crabby zora and you work with that one yeah and i thought that was neat and apparently there's a slightly less crabby zora in a link between worlds Mm -hmm. which now i'm very i purchased a link between worlds a while back got it on sale i haven't played it on purpose because i wanted to play all the way through this first because a link between worlds for the 3ds is a spiritual sequel to this game Mm mm-hmm I'm so excited now to see if there's a Zora's River and a Link Between Worlds. I can't wait. I loved this part of this game. Yeah? Yeah. After the second dungeon is when I really started to explore. It's when I got the... You you, you do get the flippers then from the river. Mm -hmm. That's when I found the guy under the bridge. That's Uh, when... uh, After the water gate, um, I did pick up a fish... Remember how everybody talked about like, oh, yes. you, you can save the fish. I did throw it back into the pond. Me too. Oh, it was so much fun. I, I was loved like, it. I know what this is now. Yeah, <laughs> I, remember I know. Talking about it, I felt like I was part of the club. <laughs> it was great. So let's do Tower of Hera. 
Yes. Um, Talk and about I, 3D spaces. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, and I do kind of going back to just before Tower of Hera. Sure. I, I, I like that um, you get the power glove. That's always. Oh, yeah. That's very useful because you get when you start playing the game, you can do basically nothing. You can't lift up any rocks, at least. I mean, you can obviously lift up the pots and whatnot, but mm-hmm. um, it's always telling you like, oh, that's too heavy. Oh, it's too heavy for you. So yep. I like that at this point of the game, I think I started enjoying it as well because then I finally had a, a couple more items to be able to right. do more. I wasn't, gosh, right. my cat just scared the crap out of me. Uh, I wasn't completely helpless. So that was good. Yeah. And you keep um, getting, you eventually get like three versions of those, uh, mm-hmm. those mitts to pick heavy stuff up. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this dungeon. <clears throat> I did. I had fun with it. I like when we get the red and blue block puzzles in any game. The first oh, time, yeah. I, the first time I ever experienced them were, were in a link to the past. Um, I did enjoy the verticality of this dungeon. I thought it was kind of fun that we we're just going up and down. There wasn't a lot of um, horizontal puzzles. How mm-hmm. did, how did you feel about it all? Um, I'm trying to go back here. I do. Yeah. I do like the, the block with the crystals, you know, you hit the crystal to change the blocks, which blocks are up, which are down. Um, I do like those. I never really had a stupid hard time with them. Like they were always mm-hmm. navigable. Like I could figure it out. Um, and so, it's also fun how you can like, oh, I'll throw an arrow at one and yeah. get it to, or my boomerang or Put a bomb there time and then release. Run. Yep. Do, yeah. Do a time release switch with a bomb. Yeah. It's fun. I, I do like that as well that you can kind of work with it in different ways. Um, yeah, this was this one where you did have to fall through a hole in the floor. Yeah, it's you not did. it's not an enormous dungeon, and I think they made it a little bit smaller because it's the first real dungeon where you are dealing with all the vertical puzzles. Milo's trying to navigate to a certain portion of here. <laughs> he might pop into to frame here. Eventually. He's going for a jump. I don't know what he's trying to do. He's taking over the show. Hey, buddy. Is he going for that advent calendar? I don't know. Okay. He's fine. So yeah, I, I kind of had fun with this one. We get our classic squiggly worm boss. Yes. Um, and this one was interesting because you have to like go down the stairs to get to squiggly worm, oh, yeah. uh, which <laughs> has an actual name. I'm sure. Moldorm? Yep. There you go. And then um, you can also fall through a hole in the floor during the boss yes. battle where you have to come back up. Right. Well, there's kind of a Moldorm in Link's Awakening. One of the first bosses in Link's mm-hmm. Awakening is is basically a re-expression of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting, like, new element to the boss battle was that you might get kicked out of it and like have to get back into it by going through stuff like parts of the dungeon that you've already gone through. Hey, my little buddy, he is probably gonna fall off i think he's gonna fall i think this is worth acknowledging on the episode there we <laughs> okay. go he's all good wow he's getting he's getting a little too comfy today hey buddy um yeah i i remember the first time i played through this one being really frustrated this is where kind of my frustration really came into play before i was able to do rewind mode like i died a lot. I imagine in this one, if you fall off the edge, you probably just rewound yourself back up Prince of Persia style. <laughs> yep. So um, definitely appreciated using rewind mode when I had to replay this one. Um, and then this was the part where I got stuck because I didn't get the moon pearl by falling through a hole in the well, floor. Yeah. So I got stuck later. I got stuck later. I I got back into Dark World or whatever, and I was walking around, couldn't find my way around, and then I realized, oh, I have to still, I have to be Link. I can't be uh-huh. the bunny. Actually, the way I got a little confused is I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I thought I had to go 
back to that dungeon and death mountain. Is he okay? Can we? He's get licking a bag. It's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Um, He's having a grand old time today. I know. I know. And, and you, uh, you were so gracious and let your dog go to um, uh, go be babysat just so that we wouldn't have interruptions. <laughs> and Milo's like, I'm on it. Little did we know. I shall interrupt. Okay. Um, so I, I figured, okay, cool. Noted. Moon Pearl's in this dungeon. I got to go back to that dungeon in Dark World mode to get the Moon Pearl. I got all mm-hmm. turned around. Mm-hmm. All turned around. Yeah. There were multiple parts of this game where I did not understand that I had to do a certain thing to get to a certain place. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I understand that there are limits to the game and how intuitive it can be. I do wish there were unless I missed the hints completely, just a couple more hints in terms of like, oh, you should think about doing this before you do that. I see. I see. I agree with with the open-endedness of a lot of the things. I only really got caught that one time with the, with the Moon Pearl. I assumed that I had to go get it again mm-hmm. in the Dark World. That was the only time where I was really like, I think I might have critically missed something. I actually started thinking like, did I lock the game? You can't do... I actually went online and Googled can't get out of Dark World... Um, you know, in this one spot and yeah. other people had asked it too. And it was like, no, just use the mirror for blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I just got to go get it in the light world. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not easy. I mean, I did the same thing. So, mm-hmm. and obviously other people did too. So I was fine with the, I never, ever was frustrated with figuring that stuff out though. That's what I want to say. Like the only times I was, I was ever frustrated with this game was my own fault of me needing to readjust my expectations of how to play it. It was never the game itself. The game itself, I always um, really enjoyed. Yeah. So then we, so then we go get the sword. I know he's just gonna do it. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's back up. He's on a mission. So we get the master sword. That was fun. That was cool. It was really neat to kind of experience the master sword for the first time. Oh yeah, going through the lost woods. Yeah, I got a little emotional finding it. It was cool. The I did like the graphics of the lost woods. Once you get the sword, too, like the the sunlight coming through the trees, like yeah. the shadows kind of moving around. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I guess if anything, that would be your oasis is the lost woods. But there were still enemies there, so not really. Um, but kind of, I'm gonna have to <laughs> move the cat again. <laughs> what is going on here? Milo, you're breaking our show. This is so weird. He's on a mission. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And then we go to Hyrule Castle. Hyrule Castle is fine. You go back into Hyrule Castle. It doesn't take much time at all. He's so mad. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. You're literally holding him at bay. There you go. I think, okay, he's going to the kitchen. All right, here we are. <laughs> Such a strange, loosey goosey finale. Yeah, I mean, we knew it would go a little bit longer. I, I very much enjoy not really setting a timer for these finales. We purposely only record the finale. We don't do like two at a time or anything mm-hmm. when the time comes. But um, Hyrule Castle, get the sword. Then the first Aghanim fight. Would you like to speak about the Aghanim fight? I um, think it's our first time doing like the volleyball stuff. Oh the yeah, tennis yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, so I do like the little bit of like dramatic element in terms of getting to that fight where you're like, gotta race back to Zelda. Oh no, he's got her. And then you yeah. have to cut through the curtain and it's very cinematic. And um, the battle itself, yeah, not difficult once you figure out the difference between his projectiles. You know, one is right. one that you can actually play. It's that advent calendar. It's something in that calendar. It is. He likes to sit on it. Um it's a it's a Lego advent calendar. Should we move it? Probably. Okay. Um I'll move it. Okay. 
So, so let's talk. You talk about Aghanim. Yeah, because you're right. It's I mean, for us, it's almost classic. It's like hit the thing or don't right. hit the thing. Like but when you're playing it after Ocarina of Time, it's super obvious because that's exactly what you do with Ganon um, a couple times in that game. So you're like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. I got to do, you know, hit the what he's throwing yeah. at me back. Yeah, at him, but um, I'm sure the first time people were playing this game, they didn't realize that you had to do that because when an enemy is shooting something at you, I don't think your first instinct is to hit that thing. You want to run away from it. So I wonder if that kind of stumped people that were playing this game for the first time. First couple times. Yeah. I think I used my sword. Can you technically use the, the net as well, I think? I don't know. Yeah. I thought I've heard that mention that you can use the n- mm-hmm. net but to defeat enemies or you know fight them, but I'm not sure if this is right. that. What's fun is this is kind of our ocarina moment where you have your first three dungeons and then things get dark, literally, nah. and then you got to go deal with you know, like your other seven dungeons. I never realized how much ocarina. I thought when ocarina did three dungeons and then six, I thought they were like, breaking the mold of of making you almost think the game's done after those first three. Right. And I think I remember marketing for Link to the Past. I remember commercials where the, maybe it was just in like magazines where the verbiage was something like, when you think you're done, you'll realize it's just beginning or something like sure. that. Sure, yeah. And I think they kind of sold the game as if there's the three dungeons and here you are, Aghanim, you know, and then it gets real and then we do our big ones. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was cool that it was very similar to the Ocarina model or that mo- that Ocarina was very similar to right. A Link to the Past. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's cool. And not too, not too difficult, not too crazy. I don't remember having a hard time with that even before Remind mode. I got, yeah. I got to that point. A- yeah, Aghanim's not particularly difficult. Yeah. So we get into the dark world. Mm-hmm. I, I stumbled in the dark world quite a bit. I already told that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of got around. I figured it out. I got to the first palace. And then it was Swamp Palace was really the first time I started getting tripped up. But let's do uh, Dark Palace quickly here. There we go. Okay. Dark Palace. Um. Oh, yes. Dark Palace. Yes, yes, yes. So... I mean, I don't know. I kind of it was fun, like doing all the jumping around. I got tripped up a few times. It was this was this was kind of a more mazy one. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the blade traps in this one, which I always like. Those I like kind of the wait for it. Okay, go. Okay, wait for it. Okay, get past it. <laughs> cool. I like those kind of puzzles, yeah. timing wise. Um, and then you have your the introduction of like the the jellyfish type. Enemies, right? Berries, berries. Um, those were kind of an added challenge. At least the red ones that would electrocute you if you got too close. So figuring out the timing of how to defeat those was kind of fun. Yeah, I got hit. I got, I got killed a few times by that by <laughs> the by the electricity, and then I was kind of like, "What are you doing? Stop it!" <laughs> I think I was getting a little. Um, I wasn't very sacred with my hearts. I was kind of, you know, I think what's happened by accident at a certain point in Breath of the Wild on both of my playthroughs right now, you have so many hearts or you have so much armor that you kind of do start to hack and slash. Mm -hmm. And I had to remind myself, no, I have to really be careful with every single hit and really play it slow and go for it. Yeah. And I actually observed my play style change in the recordings of these dungeons. I'd go into a dungeon and you'd see, I can see myself slowly learn different tactics as I'm going. Mm-hmm. But um, this one was fine. I thought this one was cool. I remember getting a little turned around for those final couple keys. Um, I think he's finally comfortable. He's on his little cat thing. I just don't want it to fall. <laughs> you think he'll be okay? Yeah, he'll be. Right. Um, yeah, I remember having like a 
maybe getting a little frustrated before I got the hammer. And then once I got the hammer, I was like, okay, now I can like play whack-a-mole with yeah. those little, with those weird pink things. Little pink guys. I don't get it. They're I, sentient blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but once I got the hammer, I was like, okay, now we, now we're good. I think before that I was like, where is this going? And also I can't get past this. How do I, I see that's, I mean, so in this case, finding that item is necessary, right? Cause you can't get past the little whack-a-moles. Um, it was very liberating when you go down that staircase and they're yes. all around you. And yeah. once you like get the hammer, you're like, fantastic. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. I can get I can't even make you. the noise. It's like, it's like a bit like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, um, I kind of had fun with the whole uh, falling floor, the Indiana Jones falling floor thing where you're running and then you can go circle back around oh, to get the key. That was yeah, kind of yeah, fun. Yeah. I was fine with all that. There's a couple puzzles where you have to make sure you fall off the edges to fall down to deeper parts again, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, yeah, I was I did pretty okay with this one. Got a little turned around at the very, very end. Finally found the, oh, and this also has the, um, like the treadmills. Where you're on the treadmills. That's the timing stuff you're speaking about. Yeah. That yeah. was a little bit more difficult like for me. Those. That's cool. That's cool. And then with the boss, um, when we got to the boss, how did you attack the boss? Okay. So I have to remind myself. It's the crazy lizard with the mask me. face thing. Yes. I'm trying to remember. So I was playing it classic Zelda style or the way I know it to be classic. And I was like, okay. I've got a hammer ah. and that thing has a mask and I started running towards it and I would hammer, 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 hammer. And it kind of did stuff. I finally kind of clipped a little clip off, but I got hit a lot. Hammer, 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 hammer. Finally, I was like, I don't know if the hammer's really working. Mm-hmm. It was kind of doing something. I don't know if it's really working. It's like, okay, I guess I'll just put a bomb down, put a bomb down. Poof, whole thing comes off. <laughs> now I'm sure that might've just been the final hit. Maybe, maybe it was just mm-hmm. a coincidence or something, but I was like, Oh, that also, this was the dungeon where I really started to learn. Oh, you really can. You don't have to, like in Wind Waker or Twilight Princess, where you definitely, it's more of a puzzle that you're figuring out, where you have to use an item to do a thing, to do Mm -hmm. a thing, Mm -hmm. usually to reveal a weak spot and then use your sword. We're still in a time here in A Link to the Past where that logic isn't as placed. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine with that. I kind of, at first I was like, oh, I don't have to use the hammer. But then I was like, I don't have to use the hammer. Right. Oh, it's interesting. There were future bosses for me where I was like, okay, obviously I have to arrow, 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 arrow. And you're like, oh, I don't. I can I can just sword away or I can even use a bomb or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. I, I don't think I used the hammer on the boss only because I didn't use the hammer a lot in general. You don't really need to use it a ton other than when you come to the, you know, stakes or the little pinky guys. Yeah. So I think I used bombs you know much more often I probably had that as my item mm-hmm. more, much more often than the hammer so I don't think I tried to use the hammer with this one Mostly, I probably just tried to stab its face right 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 the hammer was kind of fun with flipping the turtles oh yeah the little guys yes um, but mostly it's a key isn't it yep alright so then that brings us to the swamp I think isn't that right yes Here, the see. swamp palace you are correct so this was cool in that it was at first when I first got there I was kind of like Oh, oh, so in A Link to the Past, I mean, in Link's Awakening and in Ocarina and in most Zelda games, when you get into a dungeon, it kind of puts the words up on the screen like, this is the dungeon, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't do that with any of the pal- no. any of the dungeons in this game. I know. So how did it, like, until I looked through, uh, looked at a walkthrough, I was like, what do you call this thing? <laughs> right. So I got into the swamp and for a while I was kind of like, am I? Am I in it? Am I doing it? I mean, it kind of happened with the water, the previous dungeon too, with when you have mm-hmm. to unlock the water and then go back and forth in the bright world, dark world. And I was kind of like, I think, I think I'm in the dungeon now. 
And the only reason I really could tell is that when I would die, it would put me back at the top, the front of the dungeon or the opening. I was like, oh, okay, this was the beginning of the dungeon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I just... Oh, my God. My cat knocking everything over. I can't believe that he's doing this. Anyway. I do have a note where I just said, it was fun and not too hard. Um, so I guess I liked this one. <laughs> Going back and looking at it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mind the water mechanics. I thought they were easy enough to figure out. I did like that. That was an extra mechanic. You know, It, w- it was fun nice. to see that we were raising and lowering water. Uh-huh. It was fairly simple. It was more like you can swim or not, but it was cool to raise and lower water. Yeah, um, a, an additional little part. <gasps> and we get the hook shot. Yeah, Which is so cool because you get the hook shot in Ocarina in the water dungeon. Oh, yeah. That's true. And it took me a while to figure out how to use the hook shot. I don't think I understood like how many things that you could connect it to right like hook shot onto mm-hmm. um you know blocks and and skulls and treasure chests and yeah the blocks took me a little bit i figured yeah. treasure chests because of <laughs> ocarina right and uh, i figured a lot of things <laughs> look at these um um but it was a blast i really enjoyed the hook shot and i was almost embarrassed that i kind of didn't realize that there was a hook shot in a link to the past it was fun it's fun going through the waterfall mm-hmm it was this this dungeon did a lot of the puzzles where they were kind of meta puzzles in that the player I could see other rooms that Link probably couldn't see in real life, but you would use that right. to inform the puzzle, mm-hmm. which debatable if that's like appropriate or not. But I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah, I remember that too. Just being like, ah, oh, there's a wall over there. I gotta get over there, and just you know, using the dungeon map a lot to kind of figure out where. Okay, how do I have? How do I get to that place that I can see that he can't get to that I can't get to? But I need to get to it right. in some kind of way. Yeah, I like this one. And then we had Argus as the as the boss. Yes. Yeah, so this is the jellyfish. Yeah. Guy. There's a um, boss just like this in Majora's Mask. Okay. So you have to hit all the little guys. Pull a little stuff off him. Yep. Um, and I like that. I mean, that that's obviously a mechanic that comes up in future games where you have to pull something to you and then yep. hit it. I mean, again, in the water dungeon in Ocarina. Oh, yeah, there's kind of a twin Rova boss in here, too. Not here, but a little bit later. I was shocked. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so you pull the little guys to you and get them. And then, you know, obviously the main boss gets mad about it once you defeat all of them. And I like that it's a little different. It's not just like going around going slash, 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 slash. Like. Well, and then the thing is, because because he has a giant eye, I used my arrows. I was like, OK, arrows to the eye. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. It's something that I have always done and must continue to do. Right. And so I'm arrowing, arrowing, and I and the arrows move at a different speed in this game. That was um it took yeah. a lot of getting used to. Yep. You the, have to predict like I have to shoot this arrow way earlier than is it, should be necessary. It's true. And so because this thing's going on like a 45 degree bounce around pattern, um, um I kept missing. <laughs> I just went through all my arrows and then I, I died and then I went back in with arrows and then I finally was like, I guess I have no options. I guess I'll use my sword. Oh, I could have used my sword. Yep. Yep. There is a lot of that in this game, like you said, where you, you think you have to do things one way and it is not that way at all. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, yep. Um, all right. So I was fine with it. So Skull Woods. Skull Woods. This is the one where um, I was... I almost thought we were talking about Skull Woods when we were talking about the swamp just now. Mm-hmm. Um, Skull Woods was kind of cool. This is the first time where we... So the second dungeon, the one that you go down into the desert, 
they play around with you going in and out of the dungeon a few times. Remember, there's the three mouths, mm-hmm. and they do play around with that. That was kind of fun. This one takes it all the way. This is like, oh yeah, it's like the forest is part of the dungeon, which I thought was kind of, I was okay with it. It was cool once I figured out how to get there because I went in the wrong Lost Woods entrance. And I was like, I am super stuck. There's nowhere for me to go. Where do I go? Not realizing that there was another entrance that you have to get to to be able to even access the dungeon. Right, right, right. I wish you could have used either entrance. And, you know, obviously one is one would have been a kind of roundabout way to get to it. But if you use the one that I did, you just can't. You just can't get there. So, um, yeah, that was a little frustrating. But then once I was able to actually get access to it, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And it was cool to, like you said, come out, go back in, come out, go back in, you know, fall down this hole at this time, fall down that hole. I actually liked that version of falling through the hole. Oh, yeah. Better. Okay. Um, going from outside the dungeon to in rather than going from one level inside the dungeon to another. A floor to floor. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, I was fine with it. It was, um, I kind of liked the whole, like, um, all the vines. I was, I was, I was cutting every single vine and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I didn't even know I could cut them until I kind of did one on accident. I oh, was really? Like, oh, yeah. I had a feeling it kind of, they kind of looked like the curtains from the sanctuary or whatever mm-hmm. castle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You have um, your your ceiling scary ceiling hands. Yeah, they come, this is the beginning I think of that, right? They're I don't serious, yeah. No, it's not the beginning. Well, okay, there's technically two different kinds. There's the ones that come from the ceiling, the ones that come from the ground. And there are scary hands in the very first the legend, legend of Zelda. Oh, I and, thought you meant in this game is this Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, first time in this game certainly. Yeah. But they work a lot like um Floor masters and wall masters, and I think these might technically be wall masters because they're coming from above. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were fine. But if you if you hold your sword for a swing, um, you can. They don't really hurt you if you get them right away. Yeah. Um, the problem is, and then they just come back. Like you can <laughs> kill them, but then they're just going to drop again, which was frustrating. I was like, no. Once I figured out that I could actually defeat one, I was like, oh, sweet. Then it's done now. It's not done now. Yeah. It's yeah. just going to come back. Um, I enjoyed like the kind of like the theme of the level deteriorating as you play mm. expressed through like just the holes appearing basically. Yeah. I may not have noticed that, but that's a cool little touch. <clears throat> Want to talk about the moth? <coughs> Excuse me. Shula. Mothula. Um, yeah. This one was crazy because you have the spines that are flying at you. And then you also have the moth that is shooting flame circles flame circles yeah you know flame circles um so it's the double challenge there the multi-directional um, treadmill thing was uh yeah I, I honestly had a hard time with this one i did too i would have died a lot in this if not for rewind <laughs> mode like i remember specifically using it a lot on this boss and my husband was watching me and he's like why you're just you're just rewinding to like where you you have two hearts left and you're just gonna keep die, like go back further so you have more of a chance so this was challenging and I definitely cheated my way through it cheated through it um, mm-hmm. it was fine I mean I don't know it was fine I guess um uh this is where we we have the fire in this one isn't that right the fire rod mm-hmm. yes the fire rod is something that i actually did use a lot of cuz you're lighting torches in this game yep. yep and you didn't have to you could use your lantern but then the fire rod is good for the timing when you had to make sure they were all lit and then a door opens and you have to make sure they're all still lit when you run through the door yep yep um 
yeah, I like I like the fire rod. I like setting stuff on fire. That always makes me happy. It was kind of I think it was the first real time where those torches really did start to matter. There was a mm-hmm. few little puzzles here and there, but that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, we're we're doing it. We got switches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then that brings us to the gargoyles domain, which I did not expect this aesthetic. Are you talking about the thieves town? Wait, what? Oh, maybe my notes. Oh are yeah, backwards. located beneath the gargoyle. In the village, yeah, about yeah, cast. Yeah. Okay, right, so we're right, talking right. about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Thieves the, Down, Thieves Town in the uh, Wikipedia. Oh, like really? The Zelda wiki. Yeah. All right, no problem. No problem. Um, yeah, I have it down as Gargoyles Dungeon for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the call list it whatever I, you want. Obviously, it's from. not telling you what to call it. So, <laughs> so I kind of liked this one. This one was fun in that it really felt kind of not like. Do you know what this reminded me of? This reminded me a little bit of the mansion in the snow snow peak mansion yeah. in twilight princess oh yeah because we have yeah go ahead no please <laughs> you have your the windows it actually kind of looks more like a there are tables and things like that it's more of a dwelling yeah right it didn't it didn't feel very dungeony it's one of those things where maybe halfway through you're kind of like oh i'm in a dungeon i mean i knew i was in a dungeon but like uh the idea that you're like also helping someone who turns on you mm-hmm. was kind of cool mm-hmm um, I'm trying to remember. See, the the other thing about this game is kind of after a while, the dungeons kind of blend together a little bit, unless there's something really unique about them. Yes, like the water mechanic or something like that. That's that's very different. Um, You're I'm absolutely not... right. The floor tiles and the wall tiles are all like the same sprites. Sometimes just a different. Mm-hmm. They just rotate the palette. So it is. It can get a little blurry sometimes. Remembering, even even I'm referencing photos right now. To be honest, right? Because this one I don't really recall a lot of. It was just kind of mazy. It was a lot of like, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of single floor mazes where there's br- bridges. You're going under bridges. You're finding things. Remember, it would goof around with you, and sometimes you get hit by the stuff that would turn you back into a bunny, and then you have to wait yes. a little bit of time and all that. Yep. Um, um, oh, this one is interesting because you do uh, find a maiden. You think you find right. a maiden um, in like corporal form mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, I have to. She's like, bring me outside. And then at one point she's like, no, not that way, though. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? And and I remember at one point I she's like, oh, wait, no, not up those stairs. And I was already going up the stairs and then she's gone. And you had to like go back and find her all over That did again. not happen to me. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. She was like, oh, no, not that way. And I like accidentally kept going that way. Like... You can't give me that caveat. Oh, no, not that way, though. Right. Like, we're just going to leave. Come on. I thought it was cool that, like, revealing the light. I didn't realize that I was revealing light to a room below mm-hmm. until we got down there. And I was like, oh, I'm below the thing that happened earlier. And you like those things. I do like those saying. things. Uh, yeah, the light mechanic. I, I, I'm i okay with that. I just don't like the whole falling through the holes thing. But the p- showing the light through the hole in the floor. Mm-hmm. I, could do, I could deal with that. Um, so, yeah, once you bring the maiden to the light, she turns into... The boss. Blind. This is the one that I had the problem with, thinking that I had to shoot him from a distance. Okay, tell me about this. So that's what we had kind of talked about earlier. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use the hook shot. Okay, that doesn't work. Okay, I'm going to use the arrows. Okay, that doesn't work. I'm going to use the, I think I had the boomerang at this point. I'm going to use the boomerang. Okay, that doesn't work. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And he kept hitting me. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, there's no way. And then that's Like what was hitting you? Like the heads or- whatever he was yeah thrown at me and so then finally i went up to it because i didn't know that i could and just went with the sword and i was like oh okay i did a lot of sword spinning with this one yeah uh yeah i i thought it was uh you know 
hit from a distance, you know, stay away from it. Don't touch it. Right. That kind of thing. It's so funny how we're kind mm. of trained in that with, I know. with some of the modern games. Not that that's easier or more difficult, but it's a lot of, you know, I think, well, well and that's kind of interesting too, too, because in Breath of the Wild, the bosses returned to that form a little bit where you can just slash at them or mm-hmm. hit them with anything that works. And that took me a while to get used to in Breath of the Wild, even though I'm okay with it. But coming off of Twilight Princess and even Skyward Sword where and Wind Waker, where it's clearly so so opposite, where you're think you're thinking, how am I supposed to right. fight this thing? You're just supposed to kill it. Yeah. Just kill it. <laughs> Defeat all. it. Just kill it. The heads the heads were a bit much, but I was okay. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, once I figured out that I could beat him just by, you know, using my sword, it was much easier from there on. <laughs> but it was very difficult up until that point. By the way, just in a Milo update, he is laying by my feet, just laying on the floor, chilling out. Oh, I see now. I see. He's finally calmed down. He's calmed down. He's just hanging out. He's part of the podcast family. My goodness. Yeah, he is. I'm okay with it. Right foot. Oh, now he's sitting up. Now he knew we, we were talking about him and he wants to understand what's going on. He heard. Right Okay. Uh, I thought he was going to say something and chime in. He did, not, he did not have anything interesting to say. Totally fine. All Do, right. Would you like to move on to Ice Palace? Yeah, let's move on to Ice Palace. This one was interesting in that you had to figure out a puzzle just to get into it again. Yes. So I was like, how well, How do I get in there? So you have to you know, get to the right place in the light world and then warp into the dark world when you're... So you're that you're within the walls right. and can get in. So that was kind of a little it. bonus puzzle. At this point, you're kind of used to going back and forth anyway. Right. Oh, a note on that, I guess, before we get to Ice Palace. So did you use the duck, the flying duck, to get you from place to place? That's if you play the o- ocarina, right? Yes. I mean, once or twice, and then I didn't. I didn't even know... Milo is now joining the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on the table, so our magical sword people can see the Milo. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, <laughs> I didn't even like understand. I, I had written in my notes here. I'll let me pull up no. my notes. Because I figured you were flying all over the place. I was like, oh, she's got to be warping. I all did over. eventually, but uh. <laughs> I was like, it's so not clear how you get to be able to warp. So you have to get a shovel. To get a flute is what they call yeah, it in this game. Yeah. To bring a duck to life. Right. To then be able to warp. And then when you warp, you can only warp in the light world. You can't warp in the dark world. Oh, I guess I never thought about that. Not a thing. And then you can't go back to the dark world when you warp to somewhere in the light world because your little sparkly warp point <gasps> is gone. Else. Unless you find another magical portal. And so I was just like, why? It's so difficult. And it got easier once I understood that you could find portals elsewhere in kind of like general areas. They weren't always by a dungeon. Yes. Because at first I was like, they're always going to be by a dungeon. Why would I even warp somewhere if I need to get somewhere quickly? (laughs) Um, And then there's one like right by Kakariko Village. So, okay, fine. I can use that one. Um, I was surprised to find so many little portals. I remember thinking for a mm. while in the early part of the game, where I'm guess I'm jumping back, I kind of, I kept going up to Death Mountain every time. Oh no! I, know, I was like, I, I gotta go that. up there, right? Because yeah, you had to like lift up uh, a bush or something. Mm. You know, you had to uncover them always. Right. They're not just hanging out and yeah. The a lot middle. of times they're under like those little stones, but yeah, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so let's do ice. So I have a feeling you liked this one. <laughs> I was knocking everything over. Or at least, or at least the boss. 
I thought you'd get a kick out of the boss. But let's let's get to the boss when we can. What, Milo? You're fine. <laughs> um, okay, so yep, the slippery rooms. That was interesting. I didn't have too much of an issue with that. I mean, I was kind of used to that from like Mario yeah. games where you have, oh, the floor is ice. It's slippery. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And we got a big taste of that in Minish Cap. So. Right. So that wasn't too much of a challenge, I don't think. Um, a lot more of the crystals puzzles, the block puzzles. So I thought the block one. intersection was kind of cool. It was very clever because you had to push the block, but it meant you could only go two ways. Like you had to, every time you mm. entered the room, it would change Mm-hmm. Your options, because just the phys- not the physics, but the ge- geometry of where you would push the block. Right. You know? um, and then it took me a while to figure out that the pushing the block through the hole in the floor. But oh. which block? You had to pick the right block because then you can only, I think, move it one square yeah. once it's down to get it onto the switch so that a door would open. So that one, that one took me a little while. I think I had to look okay. through... Mm-hmm. Oh, Sorry, I was Dave's, yawning. Dave is very bored by our podcast. Not at all, not at all. Just it a little has tired. gone long. I understand. I guess it is going a little long, but it's fine. <laughs> did you use your um? Did you use your Ocarina of Time fireball much? The kill everything in the room fireball. What? No, oh, okay. No, I didn't have. It's that. just one of the power ups. It's one of those gold medallions you get. I, I yeah, started I didn't using have that, that one. a little bit more on this one. That's what I'm saying. Like with this game, I didn't have. I didn't get all the things. I see. Um, all the items and all the medallions. So no, I did not have that one. That probably would have been useful. It was kind of fun to see like classic Mario style fire wheels. Oh yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, those are fine too. Um, don't remember being like super frustrated. Oh, this one though, I do remember in the ice palace, there was a lot of backtracking, Mm -hmm. a lot of backtracking. Um, I did, I remember liking the puzzles of the palace, but hating the backtracking. So I just wish that, I mean, but that's, you know, it's a Zelda game thing is, is going back, back and forth and back and forth. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, my note for this one was holy backtracking in the ice palace. It was fun puzzles until that part. So, yeah. And then I don't, well, we can talk about the boss and then I have another little, Oh, another little tidbit? Yeah, that was probably after the Ice Palace, I'm guessing, or shortly after that, since my notes are in chronological order. Well, we're doing a little bit of, like, I felt Breath of the Wildy with the, um, and actually, I I misremembered here. I'm actually thinking of the next boss, not this one, the one with the dragon heads, Mm. because they're, I feel like they're kind of Twin Mm Rova-esque, but, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, this was the, the, the guy in the, the guy in the ice. Oh, yeah. So you had to crack the ice to then get to, is it like an eyeball? I would say it was like a, a I would cotton say. candy with an eye on it. Sure. That's I'm sure how they designed it. Oh, yep. OK, I see the picture. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. I, I just remember enjoying being done with this one after all the backtracking. But sure. Again, I did like the puzzle aspect. And then I do have a little note that must have been shortly after this, that there is a mention of mixing courage and wisdom to fight the power of Ganon. What? So I don't know if this is like the first mention to the whole Triforce, Whoa. you know, or the parts that make up the Triforce. Maybe they connected that later. I don't know. But they're like, oh, yes, we have to use courage and wisdom to fight. And I don't know to if they mentioned power. his power specifically, but it's to fight Ganon. And I was like, oh, ho, ho. Cool. I recognize that so it was a cool little neat little harken back um yeah that's that's all it was like mm-hmm. a middle middle note between the dungeons must have been you know one of those the thing that the, the maiden tells you 
you know, at oh. the end, like here's more part, here's more of the story, which I also like those moments. I was always excited to see what they had to say. Like, what are they going to say next? What information are they going to give me? Right. Sure. Right, right, right. So then we uh, kind of go back to the, not the swamp, but uh, mm-hmm. water area. And we go into a freaky alien head. I was like, when that thing grew up out and out, I was like, w- excuse me? <laughs> Misery Meyer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a good name for an emo band. Wow. It's going to be my emo band's name. Misery Meyer. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the aesthetic of this dungeon. We were just talking about how a lot of the dungeons look the same. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked the whole Indiana Jones uh, bridges kind of thing and the, oh, the yeah. little fence plates. I was okay with it. I played this one in a car. Uh, I had my switch and I was playing it while traveling to Michigan last weekend. Ah. Um, so that was interesting. I was navigating it while, while riding in the backseat of a car. Uh, so in other words, like you had some distractions, is that what you're saying? A little like, distractions, a little kind of, uh, road sickness maybe. Cause it oh. would get a little, ooh, and I, I'm not really one to be susceptible to that, but. Yeah, um, but I do remember the greats. Um, so I like this the spatial awareness of this one where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I have to go around on the first floor and then go back up to the second floor, but I can only access certain parts of the second floor. And then there are also block puzzles. Right. So it's kind of a cool combination of a lot of different things that you've been working with so far in the game. It's I dig so it. Yep. Um, you have your whiz robes. And this one, which yeah. I didn't find too insanely difficult. They were easier than other whiz robes. I fireballed for sure. them. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did not have that option. Oh, and then, oh, the cane of Samaria is yeah. the item that you get in this one. So that one, this one I actually did get. Yay. And I was like, oh, you can make blocks. That's interesting. And right. I do like that that comes l- later, you know, in another dungeon where right. you have to travel that way. Yes. So I think they made sure that you found this one. Yes, I agree. Because I actually did. Yeah, <laughs> so right. go me. Um, so, yeah, and I did that. That the was canes something. come back. I'm so sorry. The canes come back like in the Oracle games, too, by the way. OK. There's the cane of Pocky. And the, oh, it was cane of Pocky and Minish Cap. Yeah. Okay, never mind. But that flipped things upside down, right. correct? So this one, do other ones create blocks like this one? Yeah, there's a block creating one in okay. one of the Oracle games. Gotcha. Um, but that was kind of something different. I was uh-huh. like, okay, this is kind of unusual. And I like that you can you know, put the block onto a switch that's right. definitely useful rather than like pushing a statue or you know, pushing another block. So I liked, I liked that item. And then the boss for this one is Vitreus. Yeah. Hi balls. Oh gosh, I'm still I'm still thinking of Turtle Rock, I think. I keep misremembering the stinking bosses. <laughs> I think we're still I'm just so excited to talk about the fire and ice I guess. dragon. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. So many eyeballs in this game. So Everything's a big eyeball. Well, everything is almost always a big eyeball when it comes to I know, bosses. It's, it's so funny because we would joke about the, some of the 3D games, how they would be essentially eyeballs, you know, and how they added an eyeball to uh, goat and stuff like that. Yep. Man, I don't think that was a thing that happened later in the series. This is like everything's an eyeball. Everything's in this game. an eyeball. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I remember this one. I I figured, OK, I have to hit all the little eyeballs to hit the big eyeball. That makes sense. But I remember like hitting all the little eyeballs so much that I was like, am I getting anywhere? Like, right. is this really how you beat this boss? Because there's nothing happening. None of them are dying. Right. Like, 
nah. so it took me a while but then I was like oh yep there they go I think I was just always hitting different ones so none of them would ever actually die yeah 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 if each has five life points they're moving around yeah right. I hear you um, I did a lot of circle sword yep, with this yep not I mean really straightforward you just hit mm -hmm. the smaller enemies to get to the bigger one that's really about it do you use anything special for the big eye at the end or you just sort it um I'm trying to remember I mean this one I played relatively recently I probably just sorted sorted it yeah I think I tried the arrow a few times if I if I and you know when you see yeah. an eye you're so trained right <laughs> I might have done that okay that brings us to turtle rock turtle rock I enjoyed turtle rock I did too I thought the um the tunnels in turtle rock were very sonic-esque oh. I remember thinking of sonic the hedgehog like I could hear the like noise inside my head whenever cool. I go through one. All right. And I wasn't sure um, if I could steer where Link was going. So how'd you figure it out? You just let it ride, man. Yeah. And I did like that you had to, you know, do them in a certain order. They would bring you to a new area. You'd go through that area. Da, 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 da. Um, I liked how like it made sense to my brain. The, the layout of this dungeon, like there was kind of only one way you could really go, sort of, at some points at least. Yeah, I think with the pipes, they were super cool, but they're kind of one way. There might have been, there was that one area where you have the two pipes. You have like a choice. Yep. Go to this one or that one. Yep. But um, a lot of times you're just kind of riding them, but I was fine with it. It was I, fun. I liked it. I liked the um, pipes. I do need to add that I couldn't get into Turtle Rock because I didn't have the Quake Medallion. I got all the way to Turtle Rock and yes. then you go on that little picture and I'm right. like You're like, what's this for? What is what is this? You're looking at your book of Medora. Yeah. Trying to read it. I'm like, I, what? I need a thing? Um, so I did have to go back. I did look at a walkthrough because I was like, I literally don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> like It wasn't like a, <laughs> I don't have time for this. Uh. I mean, I really don't have time for this. I need to figure out how to get through the game so yep. I can review the game. So I did have to look that part up of like, how do I get in there? Oh, the Quake Medallion. How do I get the Quake Medallion? Oh, okay, I got to throw something in a, into the angry fish's circle rocks. Right. Rock circles. Fair enough. Um, chain Chomps are yeah, in this one. I know. I was like, what? I was like, it's not even Link's Awakening yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, um, and you can't defeat them, I don't think, can you? I, I never you, was able to. Yeah, I think you just have to run away from them, which is at this point difficult. in the game. I was doing. I was starting to instead of trying to attack a lot of stuff. I was doing a lot of more like just get by fast stuff. Agreed. To you be just honest. run quickly past everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think I really started that in the ice dungeon, and then I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is what I can do. You also get the mirror shield in this yeah, one, which huge. thank God. That thing's humongous. Yeah, and and thank God for it because previous to that, I was like, why do I even have a shield? Because it doesn't really work. I think there were only a couple times where you hear that tink, where something hits it, but it's you like can't... like an arrow comes at you, and yeah. if you're not swinging, then it blocks. Yeah. But you can't do anything with your shield. Mm -hmm. It's just there. Luckily, the mirror shield, I thought, was you know actually useful, because then you can you know face those eyes that are shooting beams at you. I yeah. don't think it does anything with the beamos, though. I think those will still get you, right? I don't know. <clears throat> they were still try. hitting me at least. <laughs> yeah. I honest again with the Beamos at this at this point in the game I was also just using the run fast strategy with uh, sure. with the Beamos. Yeah, but I mean this one has I like Turtle Rock because there were quite a few interesting things to it. Um yeah. and then I do like the mirror shield and then you get Princess Zelda. 
at the end of this. One. Oh, right, right, like, right. I was like, what? No, we haven't talked about the boss yet. But yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. So I always I started attacking the middle head first. And I was like, go for it, go for it. But nothing was really happening. And then I Try re- next. Then I saw next. the red and the blue. And I was like, I know what's happening here. Oh, yes. And I had really fun with it. I picked up on that one right away. Yeah. So I went for the red one first. With your ice rod? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which I probably should have done the opposite because then I wouldn't have had all my ice blocks to be running across. Oh, so oh, I didn't even think about that because I did go for the blue. I fired red first on blue. Okay. I don't know why. So maybe it's just because it's to the right. <laughs> maybe, but that way you had fewer ice, yeah. slippery ice blocks. Yes, to I didn't even traverse. realize that that would be an issue. Uh-huh. I see now. Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely like died a couple times because the middle head would come shooting out, and I'm like trying to run. I can't get anywhere. Yeah, and I liked this boss. I liked that it was Twin Rova esque, like you said. You know, using the opposite power. I mean, what what if I didn't have one of those rods? I think. The game's probably making sure you have both. Okay. I think there's a few of these items where they, they can kind of make sure that you need them to get through a certain door somewhere so you'll find them. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, well, I don't have some of this stuff. Like, I didn't have the cape at this point. And I think, I don't know if it was this dungeon or the one previous where you had to run across the spikes to get spikes to Spikes were previous. Okay. But you could to hookshot some of that chest. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like Turtle Rock. Yeah, cool. It was fine. And then it, you just sword, sword, sword on the middle of the snake or whatever when he turns into his thing. Yeah. And then we have Ganon's keep. Now, Kate, uh, I don't want to get too far outside of the episode. We have been recording for a long time. I'm seeing that it's 1.30 right now. Mm-hmm. I need to be back in Chicago <laughs> by, by 3.30. Get out! And it's a two-hour drive. Um, we don't have to like cut it off this very second. Mm-hmm. But Ganon's keep is, I don't know. There wasn't anything that really stuck out for me. It was more of a bit of a gauntlet. You do gauntlet boss the uh, a number of the boss battles, but I don't think all of them. Yep. And I've gotten through one so far. That's I thought where that I they ended. were weaker, but I think you're just stronger. I think so too. Um, I I like it so far. Again, I haven't finished it yet, but I like it so far. I like all the puzzles. I like the. I mean, whenever there's a room where you just have to beat all the enemies to have the door open, totally okay with that because I know what to do. Right, right, sure. Just gotta kill everything. And that was the staple here, and yep. it wasn't there wasn't a puzzle. It was more of a. But I thought it kind of worked where it was just like. Just push through. Yeah. It was kind of fun that way. Yeah. Um, and we can, I guess we'll have like a, a postscript maybe at the opening of our next season. Where you speak about Ganon battle a little bit? Yes, because Part- I have not gotten to it yet. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Well, partly we're out of time right now, but um, basically you get to Aegonim Ag- again. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool. It's very, it's a little bit dramatic before you get there. There's a lot of Ganon statues and stuff like that. And he kind of splits into three and one's a little less transparent than the other two. Uh, and so you're doing, up, you're doing the baseball thing, volleyball, tennis thing, whatever, but you still have to defend against all three, but you're trying to line it up so that you're hitting the one that's a little less transparent. Gotcha. But otherwise that's it. That's Aganim basically. And then, then Ganon happens and maybe I shouldn't give too much away, but I will tell you this. He teleports a lot more than I was ready for. Okay. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. Again, thank God for rewind mode, which I will, I'm yeah. sure use excuse me, heartily. Um, overall, let's just give this game a quick grade and then yeah. we'll we'll head out. Sure, sure. Um, well, I mean, yeah, grade-wise, I'm not sure. I think for me, I'm so happy to have played it. I think I'll enjoy playing it again. Mm-hmm. I have no complaints for this game. I thought it was an absolute joy to play. My complaints are part of the process of having to relearn how to play it. And, and that's not the game's fault. You know what I mean? And so I'm so happy that we've done it. I, I had a good time. It was kind of the 
yeah, no, I'm going to leave it there. I was I was fine with it. Maybe I, I enjoyed the dungeons more than I thought. Mm-hmm. Those first couple dungeons were hard for me to get used to. And I, I remember dungeon three or four. Maybe it was the first Dark World dungeon <clears throat> where that was the only time where I kind of thought, like, I don't know if I'm liking this game. Right, um, halfway same. through that dungeon somewhere. You know what I mean? The the more I got through and the more powerful I got, it was definitely more bearable. Yeah. So I agree. I had a kind of stumbling block, you know, at the same place that you did. And then I was like, okay, I like this more. Okay, I enjoy this more. I like, right. I really like all the puzzles. Um, yeah, I had a good time. I don't, I mean, it's not going to be like special to my heart the way that this game is to a lot of other people because it was their first game. But... I enjoyed it. I'm really glad that we played it. I am looking forward to finishing it and doing yeah. more. No, we're fine. I smiled weird because my computer just gave me a notification of like, if you want to be at your next appointment get, at 3.30, get to traffic work. is light, leave now is basically leave what it just said. now. Well, it's basically telling me to leave now. On that um, note. This was this was a massive episode. This is, I think, well, it was about two hours. Based on my recorder here, we recorded for about two hours. Kate, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Um, we'll be back uh, we start recording in about a month and a half from now. So I think the show comes back in around February. I can't wait. We're already putting a bunch of ideas together for episodes. If you as listeners want to uh, kill some time and go to our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com, while we're in our down season, we have a bunch of blogs there. Mm-hmm. You can go to Studio Demands It and find that other episode that I did with TC where we put together an idea for a Zelda movie. Um, oh, it's funny that, yeah, okay, a Zelda movie. Um, it's funny that I said it that way because one of the ideas we came up with did contain a lot of Z- Zelda, the character, mm. which was interesting. Nice. A little teaser there. Um, also, I think that's it. Kate, we'll be back. I don't. I have no idea what episode one will be for season three. We're building we'll a small see. list, but we don't know what it'll be. Yeah. And we'll figure it out when we get there. Until then, everyone, thank you so much for two seasons. And Find me on Instagram at I Only Take Cat Picks. Find David at Raptor Paint. There it is. You can find the show on Instagram at Another Zelda Podcast and on Twitter at Another Zelda Pod. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook by searching Another Zelda Podcast uh, or go to our Patreon account where we have a bunch of different little bonus episodes and um, video versions of all these episodes. And we'll leave it at that. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Happy season two. Happy season two. Kate, have a great holiday. You too. And I'll see you in season three. Okay, bye. Uh, Hello there, listeners. The episode is not quite done yet. Um, As I was rushing back to Chicago, Kate texted me about halfway through my journey, about an hour into driving south, and she said, I did it, I did it, I just beat the game. I just beat Aghanim and Ganon and all of that. And so I texted her back and said, I tell you what, why don't you record a couple minutes of like a voice memo of your thoughts of the end of the game, and I'll put it into our closing credits. And so she did, and this is that file. Hey, podcast listeners, this is Kate, and I wanted to record a little extra um, recording here because I finished the game, and I just wanted to tell y'all my thoughts on the last part of it. So um, the Aghanim battle, as Dave had mentioned while we had been recording, was indeed a lot of tennis uh, between the two of us and um, kind of your classic magic going back and forth, what you had done with him earlier in the game, and that was easy enough. And then uh, getting to Ganondorf, he was right in that there is a lot of teleporting, um, but I feel like after a while I was able to kind of 
predict where he was going to go. And yes, I did use rewind mode plenty during this part because I really wanted to just be able to finish the game. And that was probably the only way that I was going to be able to do it. So um, yeah, once that was done, I I always really, really enjoy a Legend of Zelda end credits scene, the kind of like everything is peaceful now, all the people are happy, your uncle's alive, and everything like that. Um, I did find it funny that it said the Master Sword was going to be sealed away forever, um, because obviously that is not the case. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed the last part of the game. I had actually beaten it very shortly after Dave had left, after we were done recording, because I felt like I needed to do that um, and really complete the whole process. So I really enjoyed it. I liked the boss battles. I do kind of love a gauntlet. Um, Those usually don't bother me except for in Skyward Sword. So I had a great time playing the rest of the game and I'm really glad that I played all the way through it and did finish it. It was awesome. So thanks for listening and everyone have a great holidays. Okay, bye.